So Miles says, here's a picture of the man we're looking for. It's Benjamin Linus. And I'm like, where is that picture from? Yeah, the yeah, DMV? Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, since Charlotte does that crazy stunt of falling out of a tree and into a river, what's like the craziest sort of stunt-like thing that you've done? And I've done a lot of zip lining. Me and my family really love doing like zip lining and ropes courses and stuff. My favorite one was the zip lines that we did in Hawaii on Oahu. I th- it might've been in Maui, on Maui, but it was in Hawaii and it was really cool. And yeah, love a zip line. For wow. Me. Yeah. Also nice. love a zip line. And my name is Casey Wall. I am currently 25 but when you're hearing this i will be 26 26 year old oh god i messed that up (laughs) it's okay no let me start over let me start over yeah but you can say that it's okay if you say that you're not like this one's coming out like right before my birthday so i'm lucky i still get to say 27 okay my name is casey wall i'm a 26 year old writer from rhode island i like sapphic ships and collecting plants you can follow me on twitter at casey watches tv or at lf candle co where i make pop culture inspired candles I have also done a lot of zip lining. There's this uh, place in New Hampshire that my dad and I have gone to a bunch. It's super fun. Um, I've also done like a lot of hiking. Um, I hiked a mountain last summer in Maine. I like paddleboarding and kayaking. Those aren't really stunty, but I'm I'm just going through my camera roll of all the things that I've done. And those are the most adventurous things, so... I love that. Thank you. And this episode, our guest is David. Thank you for having me. So I'm David, total TV fanatic uh, from New York, although I bounce between New York and Vancouver at this point. Uh, I've got way too many TV causes and preferences to count, so I'm not going to go into them. Uh, If you want to find me on social media, you'll get absolutely nothing out of it, but feel free to do so at DeepSky24MDNA. I was a lost viewer from day one. Uh, I'm the oldest of the uh, three of us. Um, So I, I, yeah, I watched watched this show the night it premiered on September 22nd, 2004. Uh, to this day, wow. it's still running. That is a flex. That is a flex. Wow. Really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, wasn't try- <laughs> I wasn't trying to, but, uh, but no, I, I really was um, into this show from the jump. I vividly remember watching the pilot. Um, to this day, it still ranks as one of my um, both favorite and top ranked shows. And I've, I've celebrated the show in any number of ways. Um, I was I was even the one who served as the, the resident lost expert amongst uh, co-workers and friends. Oh. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And uh, if we are talking fun facts, uh, I have gone skydiving. And actually, one of the times I went, it was in Hawaii. So we'll stick with the lost wow. uh, the lost theme. But um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, season four is my favorite of the show. So uh, especially happy to join in for a season four episode. That's awesome. You are definitely yeah. qualified to be here. <laughs> yeah, super extremely. Very good. I'm also wearing a, a lost shirt because why not? I love that. Oh, right. I told you I was going to wear my lost shirt and I forgot. But I am burning my lost candle from Lost and Found Candle Co. Oh, my God. Which I'm a huge fan of, a candle company that's really close to my heart. And uh, somebody may- I just know that somebody who I love made this candle so that I would love it. You know, well, that is that is so nice. I I wonder I wonder who who made that for you. Um, that's yeah. really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get yours at lostandfoundchemical.com. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect. Um, and who are some of your favorite characters? Uh, my favorite lost characters would be Sawyer, Juliet, Desmond, and Ben. 
Yeah. Oh, great taste. list. Great list. Thank you. Who are some of your favorite lost characters? Oh, good question. Um, my favorite lost characters are Faraday, which is part of why I'm so excited to talk about this episode. Uh, Richard and Sawyer would probably be my top three. Okay. Very nice. I have to say, I have always loved Frank Lapidus, but every mm-hmm. time I watch his introduction, I fall even more in love with Frank Lapidus. <laughs> okay. He's I, amazing. I, I'm very excited to talk about Frank Lapidus today. He's so Me too. Great. Yeah. He is so great. I was just telling um, Casey and David uh, off the air um, before we started recording um, how I was doing my rewatch of the episode last night because I like to rewatch the episode right before we record because sometimes I do my notes like two weeks before we record. And so I was doing my rewatch and I finished it and I was like, you know what? I love this season, but like this is one of my favorite episodes of the season. And I really think that it's a dark horse pick, but like scene after scene after scene, iconic moments were happening. Amazing character introductions. Oh, I love this episode. It's true. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. sing, sing its praises. I love that for you. Okay, I will. <laughs> no, I'll agree with all of that. And what I fi- found interesting as I was rewatching this episode is as many good scenes as there are in character moments, there is almost zero plot in this episode. Mm. There, there, there's, That's so true. There's so little ha- happening. So like, I, I mean, I took notes as I was doing the rewatch and, and one of the notes was there is so little plot in this episode and, and Lost generally was a pretty plot and story heavy show. Yeah. True. So this is, yeah, this is kind of like a different formula. Interesting. Yeah, they were like, this episode is for these character introductions because these characters are going to be so important for not only this season, but for the rest of the show. So they were like, we need to make sure that we do it right. Oh, good stuff. Well, all of, it's all character introductions resting on the one plot point that there really is Mm. this episode, which is, uh, there is a plane at the bottom of the ocean with 324 bodies in it. Right, and this episode ends with the plot twist of the century. It really does. Also, oh, such a good episode. I'm so excited. What's it called, Casey? Oh, I was like, what what do you mean? It's my line, (laughs) dummy. (sighs) Okay, today we have words to say about episode 402 of Lost, Confirmed Dead. Okay, so Confirmed Uh Dead. The news reporters are basically confirming that everyone on Oceanic Flight A15 is dead. A spoiler alert, not for the show, don't worry, but for our uh, one of our segments, which is, did they do the thing, which is, did they say the name of the episode in the episode? Weirdly enough, they don't say the name of this episode in the episode, but every single flashback starts with them confirming the dead, you know? So it's like, it's weird that they don't wow. do the thing, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And according to an early anonymous source, this episode was to be titled... 324 confirmed dead. Now, would you guys do me a favor? Sure. And get your calculators out. You too. Jeez Louise. Let me know when you're ready. Okay. I I wasn't prepared for that one. Okay, I I am ready. (laughs) I am also ready. Great. Put in 324, which is the amount of bodies that they found um, down, down in the ocean. Okay. I think I know where this is going. What is she doing to us, audience? What is she doing? (laughs) Go ahead and divide that by three. Okay. The answer is 108. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like an important uh, number. Oh, speaking of 108, just going to say. Go ahead. I just got to say it. I mean, Mm -hmm. this will have happened like months in the past when this episode comes out. But for me, I just sold my candles at Rhode Island Comic Con last weekend. I'm so proud of you. How, How many sales did I make? 108. It's fate. It's fate. It's fate. Very nice. At, l- at least half the characters would say it's fate. Right? Yeah, and exactly. at least half would say it's science. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's great. They'd be like, mm, that's how many people bought it. That's nice. Like, ma'am, if you if you had looked at the um flow of people and how many attendees were on each day, then you probably could have guessed that. 
but I'm just like, no, it's fate. Ugh, that's amazing. That honestly, Casey, even in my wildest dreams, that was like so many more than I expected you to get. And I'm so proud of you. Same. Just because it doesn't seem like there's that many, like a hundred? Over a hundred? Over a hundred. That's amazing. And that's not candles sold because some people bought like four candles. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. You're so cool. Oh, you're so cool. I'm I'm just so thrilled to be here with fellow nerds. Yes, me too. How how was Rhode Island Comic Con? Oh my God, it was incredible. (laughs) It was incredible. Like, I just want to do it again and again and again. I bet. Oh, it was so fun. Hey, maybe next year you should. Uh, uh, I think I will. Okay, great. Yeah. Anyway, back to this episode. Uh, the broadcast date was February 7th, 2008, and it was written by Drew Goddard and Brian K. Vaughn. Um, shout out to them. Great episode. And it was directed by Stephen Williams. Some fun facts about this episode that I grabbed off of Lostpedia, as always. This is the third episode to have flashbacks centering around guest stars, which because it's featuring Frank and Naomi. And the first episode to feature flashbacks of a character, characters that are main characters and guest star characters. So like, for example, Exodus, the um, season one finale, there were flashbacks for lots of different people, but they were all main characters. And then like guest stars like Expose had uh, Nikki and Paolo who were both, actually, I think Nikki and Paolo are both main characters. Anyway. Nikki and Paolo were main characters. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) this is the first episode to feature flashbacks of characters that are both main characters and guest star characters. And it also features the very first flashback from a dead character's perspective. Whoa. I've never done that before with Naomi, of course. Can we play a little Lost Trivia? Um, as Yes. Yes. Do you think you could name the first two episodes to feature flashbacks about guest characters? I thought it was Expose, but now I'm like, maybe not. I, I think I know. No, because they were both main characters. Okay, tell me. Yeah, I think I uh, I believe the first one was SOS, which is uh, Rose and Bernard. And the second oh, okay. one, the second one is the season two finale, which had the Desmond backstory. And he would have been a guest star at that point. Oh, Desmond wasn't a main character yet. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, those are both good answers. Yeah. I, I think that I think that's it. And yeah. I'm gonna say you're right. I can't confirm if that's the answer or not, but those are both that's really good guesses. Because I think that Rose and Bernard and De- Desmond, obviously, all end up being main characters by the end. Like in the finale, finale, they have like a whole list of everyone who's ever been a main character, um, and they all get main character. Yeah, they credit them all as main characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So cool. All right. And the other one that I had was that, that starting from this episode, Dominic Monaghan is not credited for every episode. So he's been credited oh. for every single episode until this episode. Sad. Great. Well, usually we start with the island storyline. Usually we do the flashbacks last. And that is because we already know the character that's happening on the island. And then we're flashing back to something else, right? But these flashbacks, other than Dan's, are like your, our introduction to the character, um, which is why I think we're going to do our flashbacks first. Um, and I think that makes sense. I would agree. Yeah. Um, and so Casey did the uh, summary of the flashbacks. Heck yeah, I did. <clears throat> I did not proofread this, so hopefully. <laughs> you never do. <laughs> <laughs> Call me out. Call me out. Okay. <clears throat> we open underwater where our camera is scanning the bottom of the ocean. It pans across the remains of an airplane. Oh my God. It's Oceanic 815. We cut to the underwater footage being played on a news broadcast. The reporter says the plane was found by a salvage vessel in the Indian Ocean that was looking for lost shipwrecks. A woman walks past the television screen as a distraught man, Daniel Faraday, watches the footage in horror. When the woman asks Dan why he's so upset, he says he doesn't know. Next, we meet Miles Strom as he pulls up to a house in his car where he's listening to news coverage on the radio about the plane wreckage, and it's confirmed by a 
authorities that all 324 passengers are dead. He walks up to the front door and introduces himself to a woman named Mrs. Gardner, who he had spoken to on the phone earlier. He looks around the house and asks which room to go to, demanding to be paid $200 cash in advance. This takes the woman aback, saying he had agreed to $100 previously, but Miles responds saying that the price went up when he found out Mrs. Gardner's grandson was murdered. She reluctantly agrees as Miles begins pulling out a wacky Ghostbusters-esque contraption. <laughs> he takes the device to the grandson's room, instructing Mrs. Gardner not to come up no matter what she hears. The device makes a loud hum as Miles sits and looks around. He begins talking to the grandson, saying he's only causing his grandmother pain by sticking around, and Miles can't tell her that he's gone until he tells him where it is. Miles hears a clatter behind him, and he gets up and follows the sound to a vent behind a bookshelf. In the vent, Miles finds a bag full of cash and drugs. Miles tells the grandson's spirit that he can leave now. He goes downstairs and gives Mrs. Gardner half of her money back and tells her her grandson is at peace now. She hugs Miles, who looks uncomfortable. Next, we visit Tunisia, where we meet a woman named Charlotte Lewis. She's reading a newspaper headline about the discovery of the Oceanic 815 wreckage, and her friend asks her how many languages she'll have to read the news in before she believes it's true. Charlotte bribes her way onto an archaeological site where she examines the skeletal remains of a polar bear in the desert. She uncovers what looks to be a collar with the Dharma Hydra logo on it. Wonder how that got there. Next, we take a trip to the Bahamas where we meet Frank Lapidus. He's watching a news broadcast of the Oceanic Gate 15 wreckage that shows disturbing footage of the bodies as the report says the victim identification process has begun. Authorities have confirmed that the body in the cockpit is Seth Norris, but the broadcast reports that recovery of the bodies and wreckage will be nearly impossible. Lapidus takes a closer look at the footage of the pilot's body lingering on his hand. He picks up the phone and calls the Oceanic Gate 15 hotline number, demanding to speak to a supervisor. He says that Seth Norris married his high school sweetheart at 19 and always wore his wedding ring, and the body in the footage doesn't have a ring. He asserts that the body in the footage is not him, and when the supervisor asks Lapidus how he knows so much about Seth Norris, he responds by saying he was supposed to be flying Oceanic 815 on the day it crashed. Finally, we see Naomi being briefed on her assignment by Matthew Abaddon, who visited her early last episode at the Santa Rosa Mental Health Institute. Naomi says the other team members, Dan, Miles, Lapidus, and Charlotte, aren't the right people for this kind of mission as they have no training or military background. She's worried about dropping them in unprotected, but Abaddon Don says that's Naomi's role. She inquires about the possibility of finding Oceanic 815 survivors, of which Abaddon asserts there are none. Naomi is responsible for getting everyone in and out unharmed, and Abaddon urges her not to ask any more questions and to only do what she was hired for. I love these flashbacks. What I really extra love about them is the fact that it's like they start every act. So like at the end of the commercial break, every single act begins with a flashback. Yeah. Which is really cool. They don't usually do that, but it's like a formula that they follow for this one. And yeah. it's really, I, I assume the audience is probably like, is this is lost back on or is it still a commercial you know because you're not in a jungle you're not on the beach you don't know these people yet like this is the first time other than dan obviously this is the first time you're seeing them right so i I just imagine that it's it's really cool i love these flashes and the first thing that all of them are doing is reacting to the news of Mm -hmm. the plane wreckage yeah yeah i like the structure of this episode a lot um i also found it interesting unlike whatever 90 something percent of lost episodes they don't do much toggling between flashback and present day story i I don't even know if they did any toggling i think it's just here's the daniel intro and then we do daniel doing stuff on the island here's the miles intro and then miles doing stuff on the island they might have cut back to the miles backstory at one point you know so lost can do it so dramatic irony thing but Mm -hmm. but no I, i think that this 
the structure is very distinct. It also deviates from a lot of past episodes of Lost. So this immediately feels like a different episode. Uh, and interestingly, the whole conceit of each act opens with one character's story or perspective is something I've seen other shows copy. Uh, I'm not mm. saying Lost. I'm not saying Lost invented it, but I think it just makes for an interesting structure um, for an episode, and le- and the audience will start to intuit as it goes further and further along. So maybe by the time you get to Act Four and Five, you're like, oh, this this is going to be Frank's scene. Ooh, let's see what this guy's about. Oh, here's Naomi and Abaddon showing up at the top of Act Five. So so I, I think it's um you know it just works as a bit of a tool. Um, as well yeah, yeah. it's very oh, it's, it's so very good. formulaic in a way that lost isn't normally so it, it kind of yeah. throws you off and like really it's very striking like with the new characters a new kind of way of storytelling like it's a very um what's uh, there's a there's an adjective i'm looking for that i can't think of but it's, mm-hmm. it's just a very unique episode of lost mm-hmm. and at a point where like the story's really starting to take a turn. Right. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, that they were like, hey, flash forwards now, and then they did two flash forwards, and then they're just like, eh, let's flash it back. Let's flash it back a little. Yeah. Right, but I think the way this episode is structured, the fact that there's a flashback at the top of each act, the fact that it has five flashbacks as opposed to the five characters having flashbacks as opposed to Mm -hmm. the usual one, immediately signifies this is a a different Lost, this is a different era of Lost. And going Mm -hmm. all the way back to when Lost was airing live, you know, they had, look, by and large, three fantastic seasons, but they did get a lot of backlash for being repetitive or for for kind of just biding time in the middle of the series. And, you know, they made the whole announcement of Lost has been renewed for three seasons. It's going to be the final three seasons. Now that we know when this show is going to end, we can start advancing the, st- the story along to, you know, the eventual destination. So, you know, they did that, which was pretty unprecedented in, in TV. You have season three. It ends with, you know, the big fla- the big flashback is really a flash forward twist. We do our flash forward of Hurley in episode one. And now we're doing, oh, here are all the new characters. So it, it's even though we are flashing back after two episodes of flash flashing forward, there's just more of a narrative momentum that that the show uh, is building here. And that, you know, really does continue, you know, with some missteps, of course, over the, you know, ba- the last three seasons of the show. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, are you guys ready to head into the episode? Let's do it. Okay. So in the first scene, we have that underwater camera. It's a search and recovery team, um, which is exactly what Naomi said she was um, when we first met her. She said that they were on a search and recovery team. So that bodes well for her, even though we know she's a bit of a liar. So there's some other guy and then also Ron, um, who's my favorite character. Um, I just love him, I guess. And um, they're like not picking up on anything or you know, looking at a bunch of things and can't find anything. Um, they joke about pirate treasure and then they're like, OMG, the wreckage of Oceanic A15. And, you know, it's like so creepy to see the plane down there, knowing first of all that that's not what happened, but also like just seeing a plane or like things that are in places that they don't belong is like already like weird and creepy, you know? Finding oh, anything yeah. on the bottom of the ocean, I feel like is kind of scary. <laughs> There's a television news report on the finding of the plane. Yeah, I think, I can't remember which one of you brought it up, but the fact that like each flashback, first of all, begins an act, but also begins with each of them learning the news of them finding mm-hmm. Oceanic A15 is really cool. So yeah, television news report, uh, and they're talking about the Christiane 1, which was a salvage vehicle in the Indian Ocean, and they were searching the Sunda Trench off of Bali for two months to try and find 
sunken trading ships. So they weren't even looking for, for the oceanic plane. And do I ever have so many spoilers for this episode, including <laughs> something about this? You know, you know, you know what they might have been looking for? Tell me. Well, where else have we seen a shipwreck on this island? Mm, maybe they were looking for the Black, the Black Rock. Rock. Just... <laughs> Just a thought. Mm-hmm. Right. And we'll, we'll start talking about this more when we do the spoiler section. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So we've learned that what we feared, Oceanic Flight 815 is underwater, and there were 324 passengers on there who are all dead. And they say that uh, Dan is in Essex, Mass- Massachusetts, which is interesting for later because we learn on the island storyline that Charlotte was born in Essex, England. So it's cool that they sort of have that Essex thing in common, which is sweet. Wow. Dan cries at the TV and there's also another woman there. Um, it is unknown who she is until later. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in spoilers. But there was a second broadcast of this episode. It said on Lostpedia. And the identity of the woman in the flashback was that she was his caretaker. So, but we don't know what he needs a caretaker for yet. Mm. So it's just interesting that they sort of, they gave that information, but they're not saying anything else. No, we don't question. When did Lostpedia say that the second viewing of the episode aired? Yeah, it said that it was an enhanced second broadcast on ABC. Okay, but it didn't say when. Um, so I know that there are a few episodes. No, it didn't. Um, but it does say that there are there were quite a few episodes that had like enhanced broadcasts where they, I think it was sort of like when I was growing up, we would watch Disney Channel and then a Disney Channel original movie would come on and then like two months later, they would re-put it out and except it had like little fun fact bubbles. <laughs> that would come up occasionally. Yes, the, like little pop-up video bubbles. Yeah, that that yeah. was a thing that w- that shows were doing then for sure. Yeah, and even um, God, was it VH1 had a thing called pop-up video. Mm. And so you you show they'd show a music video for the seven thousandth time or whatever, and then yeah, uh, they, they'd have little uh, like cartoon uh, dialogue boxes popping up of. So and so, you know, this is a whatever a, a certain type of outfit, or this is referencing something, and that that was something that yeah. TV shows were doing. I don't recall when they would have re-aired this episode, but I th- have mm-hmm. a feeling it would have been in something. Um, would have been during the summer. They probably would have mm. re-aired the whole season, put in all the little enhancements to get you know right you know, the, the you know the big time fanatics to, to watch it again, as well as mm-hmm. then to uh, educate the, uh, the, the the less informed about Lost to try to probably try to build a viewership for season five. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. So that that would have been my my guess. And at that point, we might have mo- known more about Faraday. Um, but I, I don't know when the episode, the second viewing aired, which is why I, I asked. Right. But I think um, just talking about the Daniel flashback for a second, my lasting memory of this episode has always been the image of Daniel crying. If you, if you tell mm-hmm. me, if you know, if you tell me name, you, know, you name a lost episode uh, and you say confirmed dead immediately i think of daniel crying um he's he's quite ex- that makes total sense yeah he's quite expressive and there's i i feel like i have the same moment yeah yeah it, it's so expressive i feel like i completely i agree yeah it's really expressive it, it's a striking visual and it creates mystery like why is he crying mm-hmm. it's so haunting is, is he just that emotional of a guy does he does he know more so like there's the visual of it and then there's you know the mystery intrigue of it and like Mm -hmm. that that's what sticks with me about this episode more than anything that is so true it's so haunting and it's such a jarring introduction to this person who like we know nothing about yeah it's oh like i'm blanking on his name what's his real name uh jeremy Jeremy Davies. davies jeremy 
like what a performance to like mm-hmm. introduce yourself to this show. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. And it's interesting too because you know she says, "Hey, why are you why are you so upset?" like and he doesn't know, you know? And so learning that he has a caretaker in that second broadcast, you might be like, "Okay, this guy might have some memory issues." Like he might be able to put that together. Yeah. And it's also interesting because Dan's flash is so much less than everybody else's flash. Like there it's like they want to show you who he is on the island instead of beforehand, which is interesting. And he also has a lot of like interesting things in his about his story. And in this flashback, there's so many mysteries and they don't they just don't want to reveal it just yet, you know, which is really cool. Right. So some of it is that they're, they're just pl- they're playing coy with Daniel for sure. Yeah. Um, and, but the very short scene tells you everything you t- need to know for the purposes of this episode. Plus, we did already meet Daniel a little bit at, at the end of the prior episode. Mm-hmm. So but that 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 is an interesting point that it's a really short scene whereas like conversely miles probably has the longest of the scenes if i'm thinking about yeah, it i, I, I don't have a timer but I, I would think it's miles yeah yeah so casey you texted me today uh about that so there was this whole thing called find 815 and it was like a, did you do this david where there was like a it was sort of like a interactive like mystery that they okay. did sort of like no i did i did between. not i did not do that but there were various lost the game and other mm-hmm. um Things of uh, got the uh, the Groots is that their name? Oh, the De Groots, yeah, yeah, yeah. The De Groots, sorry. Oh, right, Groot, Groots, the thing from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Right, same thing. The, the, right. So anyway, there was the whole lost interactive game that would have come out sometime in season two, and you learned mm-hmm. more about the De Groots, and then there were other you know tie-ins. But no, I did not ever do that. Um, I, I just wasn't interested in that, and I'm one of those people mm-hmm. who I prefer to be very pure with my viewing and it's just about the text at hand. So I don't want to bring in outside things uh, either to increase or detract from my uh, enjoyment or to increase my knowledge. I think the show needs to, you know, do the job and tell you everything within the show, not in some companion text. I think it's really cool that they do stuff like that. And I'm definitely a person who probably would buy all of that stuff and probably not... (laughs) <laughs> not you not actually you know play with it mm-hmm. just because i like owning all of those you know companion items and i could give you a tour around my apartment you'd see of them i know i bought the lost encyclopedia off of somebody on facebook marketplace and i like flipped through it a little bit and i was like ah, well now i have it yeah yeah no i i have <laughs> the cool. lost encyclopedia as well um i was given it as a gift after the show ended so that's really mm. cool to have to refer refer to uh, again after a show ends. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. So speaking of the the find eight fifteen thing, I haven't done like a whole lot of research on it. Mostly, I just like see things on other Lostpedia pages that are like, and then in find eight fifteen, this was canon or like not canon, but you know this was said in find eight fifteen. But Casey, you texted me today and you were like, did you know that there's so much more canon about that like ship that found the? Did you did you end up looking that up? Yeah. So I didn't have time to like watch everything. So if you no worries, at least like in the U.S., I was able to see on YouTube that they have someone has all the videos put up for find eight fifteen, which like you said was. Um, just kind of like a game. I don't really know what the purpose of it was, but the like uh, I think it was just funsies. I think so. Just like an interactive yeah game. It um it came out between seasons three and four, and the like premise of it was that this guy, his like uh, girlfriend or fiance or actually I think he was going to propose to her. Um, she was a stewardess on eight fifteen, mm. and of course she he, was. like. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes on like this whole journey to like 
track down what happened to the plane and he ends up like i don't know if he ends up on this boat or if someone ends up on the boat on his behalf i'm not really sure we're talking about the christiane one not the freighter right yes okay, got it. yes 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 right which like at first i just looked up the name of the boat the christiane one because i was like wow mm-hmm. that sounds so much like christian i wonder if that's a coincidence oh. Good but, point. But then it's definitely not a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on this show, never, never is. Not, not with, not with this, not with this show in terms of yeah. its detail, as never well as in, in terms of all of its, you know, meditations on spirituality yeah. and yeah, religion. for sure, for sure. Yeah, Lostpedia didn't like have anything about that, but it started talking about all this stuff from Find Eight Fifteen, and I was like, what the heck is that? And it's like a whole thing. Uh, Lostpedia does say does say that both Damon and Carlton stated that the content from find 815 is not canonical okay but the one thing that i think is canonical that well actually maybe i can't say that yet but uh i don't think there's anything in it that like contradicts the canon i right i think it's only just it just adds like a different level of like fascination but it was really cool i had no idea that was a thing yeah and yeah, so check out the videos on YouTube if you can. Um, I probably will right after this. Yeah, I, th- I think all that stuff is really cool. Again, as someone who has a, a, a reverence for just the primary text and what's canonical, mm-hmm. that's why I sometimes don't yeah. bother with all yeah. that because it can either be superfluous or it ultimately does get contradicted because mm-hmm. some some person they assigned this to in whatever 2006 or 7 all right who who is working on it you know comes up with it puts in a detail and then when they get to their writing season 5 in 2009 you know they may need to change something i even looked at lostpedia and there was a whole um controversy over the character charlotte's birthday um and what was oh sure yeah Yes. Yeah. Right. 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 In the script, the script, and not talking about find eight fifteen. Do you mind if we do a little trip down memory lane? Um, oh, not at sure. all. Now, so I haven't, I haven't heard the four hundred one podcast yet because I, I don't think it's been released. But did you? It has d- not. Okay, right, so. <laughs> I am not even finished editing it. <laughs> okay, that's that's fine. But did you start discussing? And maybe you know about this, maybe you don't. The Mobisodes? Yes, we have episodes coming. I mean, okay. I was about to I was about to do a commercial, but they will have already come oh. out. So if you guys missed the Mobisode episodes, um, we did three Mobisodes that are coming out at the end of 2022. So go and go and listen to those if you missed them. Okay, that that that's awesome. I have not thought about those Mobisodes in some time, but when you were talking about Find 815 and it came out between mm-hmm. three and four, I remembered the Mobisodes, and that was a mm-hmm. thing that that shows were doing, you know, at that time right you know little little again that obviously counts as canon because it's usually written by someone on the show and it's starring yes. the actors and you know lost lost did some in this, in this era and uh one of my other favorite shows from from this era 24 also did something right around the same time with a this takes mm. place after the season you know th- that was just something they were doing and i always thought that was really cool mm-hmm. i know i understand why that's you know <laughs> f- fallen out of style at this point but i could think of so many shows where you know the season couldn't tell that story of whatever took place between right you know you know between seasons because it was up to the new thing but it wouldn't really cool to to, um, fill that in the one that most comes to mind is i would have loved to have seen space crew mobisodes of the events between seasons four and five of the hundred like that was a that would that would have been a perfect yes oh my gosh that would have been a perfect opportunity to do mobisodes yeah or webisodes whatever you might want to call them yeah but say la vie yeah Yeah. i think it's it's very telling about a show when like 
you can have the show itself stand on its own two feet and tell the story well enough to like so that when something happens that like maybe you're told about but didn't necessarily see you at least have the context to like fill those blanks in yourself yeah absolutely but i i think it's it reflects much more poorly on a show when like they rely fully on like extra content for filling in the blanks and i think i think that's something that the hunter kind of fell into a lot like it was a lot of choose your own adventure use your imagination just Mm -hmm. imagine what happened here and it was putting way too much work on the viewer you know to to do that whereas lost they told their story and they told it so well and then they realized ooh, we could we could dive even deeper to like these tiny little moments that like maybe other people didn't even think about but Mm -hmm. would just add something would like add an extra layer to like the diehard fans you know yeah the only one that we like really complained about the fact that it hadn't actually happened in the show was the one between Jack and Juliet where Juliet finally told Jack like what happened and you know the whole yeah that she was like a double agent thing where like instead we just get Jack walking up and being like Juliet told me this and it's like well I'd love to have seen it yeah that was the only like kind of clunky moment it was the perfect scene to have a mobisode for and I I kind of wish it had been in the actual show yeah yeah and some of that's a a mea culpa by the writers probably but I agree Mm -hmm. with you if you need if you need you know again if you need the secondary text or the companion piece to understand the show that's a failure right Mm. right yeah I completely agree yeah I I don't agree I don't agree that the hundred has that problem but we could save that for another podcast another time (laughs) um but uh, definitely you know shows I could name many shows that have had that problem of oh this wasn't conveyed nearly as clearly by the writers or as completely and oh if you go and read the book that the source material you'd understand it well great the source material is not the show so go home right (laughs) or like relying on things that like actors say in interviews like oh that's always fun yeah this actor confirmed this and i'm like what if it's not in the show then how are people gonna know the actor's not the writer exactly exactly all right you guys we need to get going or we're gonna be here for five hours so let's keep going oh sure let's do it (laughs) us talking too long about lost what nobody saw this coming doesn't sound like us um okay so we're gonna go into miles so we see miles listening to the news on the radio he's in inglewood california and you know oceanic 815 described as the worst case scenario they said they found the plane it was hard to salvage and so we're just gonna say that everyone's dead so he knocks on the door and it's ms gardner he says hi i'm miles strom um it's funny because later on um in the island he's just like don't tell them my last name but we know what it is i love that line god i love miles honestly i'm gonna talk about it in that scene but i was like i think this is my favorite scene of the episode it's so funny (laughs) saeed talking to miles it's so good it's so funny so she's like, which room? Oh, it's the one upstairs end of the hall. Okay, give me $200 first, cash only. She said, what? You only said 100 And he's like, yeah, but the police told me he was murdered, so I want 200 So this is interesting because this is one of the first times we're seeing... Okay, so the first, the, so we see Miles right before this being like, where's Naomi? You, she died and you killed her or whatever, right? Yep. So then this is the second scene that we get of Miles where we're getting sort of his introduction. And immediately you're like, hmm, this new guy is like a bad person. You're, you're pretty sus. It's you know? A little sus behavior. So she's like, okay. So she goes to get the money and it's like, come on, she's an old lady. You're like taking advantage of her. Because also at this point, you're just like, what's even happening? Uh, So he unpacks. He has like his weird vacuum cleaner looking thing. And he's like, don't come up even if you hear weird stuff. So he goes up in the room and he turns the machine on and there's some stuff about the posters in this guy's room that I grabbed off Lostpedia. 
So the room that Miles works in has a poster with the number 15 on it. Two ticket stubs pinned on the wall can also be seen with the number 15 on it. Of course, an important number. Also, there is a Battle Royale poster, I think. it's This could be a reference to the Japanese novel and movie by this name in which high school students are taken to an isolated island and forced to fight to the death as part of what is called the program. So island references. Also, a poster for the fictional band Dirt Spigot can be seen in the room. This is the band that the director of the Buddy's Diapers commercial wanted to hire instead of Drive Shaft. Dirt um, Spigot. Dirt Spigot. Wow. So, and I thought Drive Shaft was the worst yeah. band name. <laughs> That's definitely, Dirt Spigot is definitely the name of a would-be band in the 90s, though. That's well done. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> That's so true. I, I, I totally. Oh, you know that they came up with that because someone was like, "That's that that would make a good band name. That's so yeah. true. Yeah, definitely would have been a band from from that era and would have probably, you know, made its mark from like September to November of a given year and no one's thought about Dirt Spigot since. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Miles goes and he connects, he's able to connect with whoever is in there and clearly like this machine or whatever is just for show and he doesn't really need it to do anything except for like make some noise maybe. He says, you're really making it inconvenient for your grandmother by staying here. I want to be able to tell her that you're gone, but I can only do that if you tell me where it is. So that's interesting because he already knows what he's looking for when he comes in here we don't really get an answer to this at all but it's interesting how much information he already has so then something falls and he's able to find the money and drugs behind some furniture and event what i really like about this and what i really like about this flashback is that they are immediately showing us that miles is legit like we he could just be a fraud or whatever but this tells us that he has a real power you know so then on the island when he's using it you believe it because he t- straight up talked to a ghost in that flashback. Yeah, t- totally. Miles Miles intro scenes are really effective. That's one note that yeah. I had. But, you know, I think we've all, you know, we've all seen TV and movies before. So you, you come into a scene like that and he's like, don't come upstairs, all right, no matter what. And you're right. like, okay, is this guy going to be a fraud? <laughs> okay. Is the, is that right. is that going to be our introduction and the information we're given to this character? Um, which, again, there's totally a path they can go on. Now you reveal Miles is not a fraud. And that's going to be important, again, because it's functional for the rest of the episode. And, and obviously, we're mm-hmm. talking about a show with supernatural stuff. So, you know, you really don't want fraud, you know, fra- <laughs> characters who are frauds in there. That, that would have been one, you know, plot contrivance too many um yeah if if you you think about it because then you'd never know whether to believe miles or not now we at least know you know to believe him Mm -hmm. you know based on this episode and based on the early scene and while i think we all do agree miles is not a good person he's intro you know he's introduced in this really sus way which is interesting though because most of the like we can usually root for the characters usually they bring in you know yeah yeah but he redeems himself just a little bit when he only takes half the lady's money Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) which is funny because he really originally only wanted the hundred bucks so he still made the original hundred bucks that he was gonna do but it makes him look real good yeah i mean you you could say he's at the very least he's not exceptionally greedy all right that's Mm -hmm. not that's not one of miles's sins especially because like then when he finds the money in the drugs he takes the money who knows how much leaves the drugs turns off the machine is like okay go away and he comes back and he's like he's at peace now he doesn't know that he just told him to go away and yeah he gives her half the refund after he looks at like the sweet family photos that he sees on the on the wall on lostpedia there were a couple of bloopers about this wall in particular um it says when miles heads up the stairs to have his discussion with the ghost the pictures on the wall are in wooden frames when he comes back down the stairs the frames of the pictures have changed to synthetic brass additionally the picture the camera centers on is bigger in the second scene um, it also appears that the photos, not only the frames surrounding the focal point photo, have also changed. Most notably, the photo to the left of the focal point photo in the 
first scene, it shows a young man entering a car. In the other scene, it appears to be something completely different. Mm. On February 11th, 2010, this discrepancy was confirmed to be a continuity error by script coordinator, writer, and absolute icon Greg Nations. Among fans, it had been debated if this was significant or if it was an error, and he confirmed that it was an error. So I assume that they just like had to reshoot um, some of these uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, probably. Well, that's mighty fascinating. Yeah, that is yeah. fascinating. And we, of course, of course, know Greg Nations inspired Randy Nation's character's name, right? Yes, of course. Okay. What an interesting character to get named after you. I'd be like, could you have given me any better human? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you're doing a great job. We're going to name the this anyone? douchiest character in the show after you. Yeah, I'm just like, cool. Um, Randy Nation's great. He's put in a space of authority and he's ableist and fat phobic. Love him. <laughs> great. Like, am I am I supposed to be honored by this? Because <laughs> right. then... Okay, know how you think of me. Great. So she gives him a hug to say thank you. And so you're like, okay. So he's like half decent, but still very morally gray, which is interesting. Let's talk about Charlotte. Charlotte. So we are in Medellin, Tunisia, and two women get out of the car. We assume that one is Charlotte. They get a French newspaper that shows that they found the plane, and Charlotte doesn't believe it's true. She's read it in every language, and she still doesn't believe it. You know, and it's interesting because it's like, clearly, Miles is sort of the, when you look at all of the flashbacks, other than maybe Naomi's, just because she's not learning that the you know because all the other ones you're like learning that they're confirmed dead but miles is sort of the odd one out because everyone else is like so deeply interested in it you know my uh dan is crying charlotte is like i don't believe it and you know frank is like how dare you no i don't believe it either and miles just sort of listens to it on the radio and walks away you know yeah that's true yeah aside from like his like facial expressions we don't really get a reaction from him yeah so the dude comes, he says, are you lost? And she's like, no, she knows about the dig. Um, they're like, well, the site is closed. So she says, tell him to open it. And she bribes him to let him through. I am absolutely upset that the French that this man is saying isn't on Lostpedia. Because sometimes they have um, translations. The I know that she has a translator, but mm-hmm. I want to hear what that guy's actually saying because I know that he's sassier than what, she, than what <laughs> she's translating him as. So if anyone um, speaks French, please let us know um, how correct her translations were. I would really love to hear what that guy was actually saying. Robin, do you not speak French? I don't speak French. Right, being from being from you know Canada, because like enough people from Canada to do speak French. Yeah, I had to take French in elementary school. That is about the extent of it. Okay, got it. Oopsie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, your principal should have had more foresight and could have come in really handy when you were watching Lost many years later. Oh, well, you know, I know, I wish. I'm just like, if only I had I been able to listen to this one episode or this one scene. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, as you said, say la vie. <laughs> so they go into the skeleton in the sand and she's like, is it a dinosaur? No, it's a polar bear. And they're like, what? But it's the desert, which is cool because, you know, in season one, it was like, what? Polar bears don't belong in the jungle, right? And now it's like a whole nother type of topography that this polar bear is in that it's not supposed to be, which is cool. And yeah, it's just a really fun mystery that they like fully bring back. Yeah, it's so wild. You're just yeah, it's really cool. How? And then they answer it, and then they fully answer it. We can't talk about it, but they do. No, it's 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 very cool. Um, it's a fun scene. Just again, people going through digs and discovering something, and in Charlotte's case, it's you know validating something that she she always thought. 
Um, like mm-hmm. it, it makes for a fun scene. I think there's the knowing looks on Charlotte's face when she sees the collar. And then later when she comes out of the water, yeah. it immediately tells you something about this character. You obviously don't know what, but it's another just, you know, very effective introduction with very little time spent on it. So, so it's good yeah. writing in that regard. I think the other thing that's really noteworthy about the Charlotte scene is you know, up to this point, in Lost, you know, the major events and destinations have really all just been on the island. Okay. And mm-hmm. sure, we know we know that, you know, the, the Kwans come from, you know, Korea and, and Hurley comes from California, so on and so forth. But here you see the show is expanding, right? The, the actual right. the actual story points, what, whatever's going on with the island, it connects the thing. So it's immediately getting more. It's global. It's right. That was that was where I was going. It's immediately getting yeah. global. And that's that's also something that increases, um, obviously, as the show continues. Yeah, because like we're in Tunisia, but she's clearly English. <laughs> too yeah it's cool so so the collar that's on it is uh with the hydra and that was the answer to why is there a polar bear on this island was that they were being kept at the hydra right that was answered in season three so it's like i bet people were still like well they still haven't answered the polar bear thing and so they're literally them answering the polar bear question again if you didn't pay attention in season three yeah just just once more just to remind you yeah let's move on to my favorite flash of the episode (laughs) to frank lapita so we have the little plane the little poi plane falling to the bottom of the fish tank which of course reminds me of kate and her little toy plane oh yeah but yeah it's a very like poetic and artsy little shot that they do and we meet lapidus who is in i don't know how to pronounce this city Eleuthera, the bahamas and we've got the tv reporting with footage of the dead bodies and let me ask you guys a question they wouldn't actually do that would they like even with a discretion warning would they i don't think so would they do that like i don't think that's allowed i hate to bring up literally showing bodies. the devil's name but logan paul got the worst possible backlash of all time because he did a horrible thing which was like broadcasting a dead body to the internet like i just can't imagine them actually like broadcasting this footage of dead bodies even with a discretion warning if that's even allowed yeah i mean yeah i don't think i've ever seen a news broadcast that showed dead bodies yeah you're yeah. probably you're probably right about that of course there have been some awful things that have happened in the world that they've shown the footage on on, if not on yeah. the news, somewhere on the internet. But yeah, they probably wouldn't have done that. So I guess that, that's a fair criticism. Yeah. Well, whatever. It's a really cool scene. I will allow it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, whatever. It 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 make it makes for good television. It we yeah. don't have to assume that every single thing about the world of Lost it matches our world. You know. Yes. It is it, a fictional television show, and that's okay. Right. <laughs> I thought this really happened. Yeah. But yeah. It's just like when you know you you have a, a show that's sent in set in contemporary society but the you know president that they might name from time to time isn't the president mm-hmm. you know the actual president right. you know it's okay yeah. to have you know the world of the show play by slightly different rules as our world especially if it just leads to an important scene like this and a cool visual yeah so it's seth norris in the pilot's uniform and i'm like did they dress up these dead people they did oh they sure did before they sunk this plane they straight up dressed up these dead people i just think- wait no wait do we know that yet well, i mean we know that it's a fake plane we know that now yeah well well of course we know that we know that yeah because everyone else is alive oh. yo 
we yeah we well i guess that's true i think i was just always thinking like uh what was i like that it was like another plane that they were i don't know i don't know if i thought it was another plane but i feel like watching this for the first time i didn't it's not that i didn't what am i trying to say i i couldn't put the pieces together with how that was that that plane was at the bottom of the ocean and yet everyone was alive oh sure okay yeah so it's like oh it's a weird mystery not somebody malicious did this right yeah i think that's the intro it's the this is yet another introduction of a mystery on lost but yeah it's okay there's a plane down there so mm-hmm. if you think about it for five minutes all right you're gonna think either a it's the oceanic 815 plane and there's something completely supernatural uh, happening on the show with the you know the castaways that we all know you think you're gonna think that you're gonna think b Mm -hmm. something or someone put a plane down there or c Mm -hmm. okay this is this is just another plane that that's crashed yeah and I think that, you know, that would just be, in a sense, too coincidental within the, the logic of the, the show's world that, oh, viewers yeah. would believe that Oceanic 815 crashed at one point, And now we found whatever Oceanic, you know, 317. Um, mm-hmm. So right. I, I think it, it it's, you know, yeah, three, sure, three, <laughs> yes. Um, I wasn't trying to make that <laughs> reference, but I guess 317 <laughs> was the first number that came into my head. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it, it's, it's definitely igniting another mystery. Yeah. And you know what, Casey, I think that's a really good point and i would argue that frank in this scene saying that is not him oh yeah that sort of that's so true that kind of yeah yeah that kind of uh sits mm-hmm. sets I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, but good point. So they talk about how there's a hotline for family members of the victims. I just wanted to say I would absolutely die to be able to hear like family members. Like who do you guys think would have called that hotline? Hurley's mom. In, in, okay. In real, okay. I was, that was the first person I thought of too. (laughs) Charlie's mom. I mean, I think probably a lot of them called, did you read the thing on Lostpedia that a viewer could have called the number and there was a recording? Yes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That was fun. That's so cool. Uh, I, I doubt it works anymore, but yeah, it's like, let me see. Uh, calling this number results in an automated message, not a human operator as seen on the show, uh, obviously. But yeah, really cool. I loved that lot. I love that Lost did that. Yeah, that's fun. I love that. I love when a show like has like a phone number in it for whatever reason. They mm-hmm. do something with that phone number. Yeah, fans. Well, that's what killed me because in the pilot of Riverdale, um, Cheryl said what her Twitter was, and then you go on Twitter and they don't have that Twitter account. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Such a missed opportunity. Okay, that's a that's a fail. That's I mean, I Riverdale, know. Riverdale premiering in I guess like 2017. You know, yeah, it was something like that. If, if you're gonna give it, if you're gonna give a Twitter handle in 2017 have an account mm-hmm. set up for it i mean that's just one of many fails right. by riverdale um that is marketing 101 literally <laughs> yeah just do that did you ever hear of, what were you gonna say david did you ever hear of the fan phone on 24 no, no tell me more so all right so whatever 24 there was uh, you know enough times the they would have to say there's a phone number oh we track this terrorist to blah 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 his phone number is whatever the number is and i don't know if this was initially done intentionally or if it just happened by mistake, but they provided a real number as opposed to a 555 number or something like that. Mm-hmm. So so fans started calling the number and it was the number of someone on the set. All right. Oh no. Oh my God. And they just kept, they just kept it. They just kept it going for the rest of the run of the show. And sometimes like an actor on the show would pick, pick up the phone or a writer on the show. So I don't know. Oh my God. I I, I don't know. I'd have to go and read about it to know 
um, to see if it was a complete happy accident or if it was, oh, here's a fun idea. And then it evolved into something mm-hmm. greater. But 24 had that for a number of years. Um, so, so cool. Yeah. But that, that, that definitely is fun. If we think that Carmen Reyes called that hotline, I would also say that I think that maybe Diane Austin might have called that hotline. Hmm. I don't um, think so. No? I think she... I think that after after it went down, she probably had a lot of guilt. I don't think so. Yeah, but I don't know if she would have been watching TV or anything like That's that. Fair. That's fair. I, I think Sarah Shepard calls the line for sure. Mm, okay. 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 Oh, I would love that. I think Sarah Shepard calls it. Yeah, because she even after they, um, you know, split up, she was still supportive. Um, just the fun. I, I like this question. I'm going to flip it on you. Who do you think okay. would have been the least likely character or characters friend or family member to call? Like who just doesn't give a? I do not see Cassidy. Yeah. I don't see Cassidy calling that line. Well, maybe she would. She'd be like, my daughter's um dad. I think she maybe would. I don't know. Do, oh, here's my other question. I want to answer that question that you just gave me, David. But also I have a question for you guys. Do you guys think that Margot Shepard called that? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Definitely. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, you know, by and large, most people w- would call it. Who calls first because they either care the most or they're most likely to be watching the show? Um, mm-hmm. And who, who doesn't call at all, you know, of course, are, you know, interesting questions like who doesn't care that their brother died on Oceanic 815? It's probably Scott's right. brother. <laughs> Rip. Oh, man, that guy got the short end of a stick. Uh-huh. Oh, I know who. Oh, I was going to say, you know, who doesn't call, which was your question is Sabrina Carlisle. But I feel like she would care about Boone, but not about Shannon. Well, yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, she, she would yeah. call for her son. She would call for Boone, but not for Shannon. Yeah, no. They would be like, uh, and ma'am, your stepdaughter was also on that plane. And she'd be like, I, I, don't, I don't have a stepdaughter. Yeah. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Howie Zuckerman doesn't, but that's because he's dead. Howie Zuckerman. Yeah, he's the guy that Nikki and Paolo murdered. Oh my like. God. Okay, that's, yeah, that that's, I, I, I was like, I was trying to think of who that was and I had in my head it was like maybe it's the producer on the expose show but um, got it uh, yeah. I've got it you know who doesn't call who Brian whatever his last name is Brian Porter Walt's stepdad oh no he does yeah he doesn't call he, he, wow he does not care he's just like good he, he, he like yeah no he like lightly you know fist bumps in you know in the privacy of his own home of like okay don't gotta worry about this at all anymore I'm good. Oh, worst possible person. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I love that question. I thought of that and I was like, we have to have a whole conversation about who did that. That's a great, no, that's a great question. Nice job. Really good question. So they said that they've started identifying people and they're like, this is Seth Norris, the captain. You know who does call? Seth Norris's uh, wife, who he's been married to since he was 19, I guess. That's really freaking sad. What a detail. And how interesting that they are giving all of this canon like and this backstory three seasons after he died so cool i love it genius yeah that's fun that's just like lost peppering in details Mm -hmm. was always something i really appreciated uh and not every fan's gonna get them or care but for the for the diehards i think that was a lot of fun yeah so the television goes to static and frank hits it to fix it and they basically say it's basically impossible to recover the bodies. And hopefully this like identification will bring some closure to people. So Frank phones the hotline and he's like, I want to speak to your supervisor immediately. He's like, oh, are you a family member? He's like, no. <laughs> They're like, okay. No, I'm a random man. So he's like, this footage of Seth Norris, that's not him. They're like, 
oh, damn, okay, I guess I will get my supervisor. <laughs> so the supervisor says, hey, who is this? He's like, I'm not telling. But that's not <laughs> Seth Norris. I'm not telling who I am, but I will tell you this detail about my life that I was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> that, I kn- that I know this thing. Yeah. Um, Lapidus, Miles, refusing to give out their identities. Right. Uh, right, and, and Jeremy Davies slash Daniel Faraday just being so shifty by nature. Like, we really yeah. have a lot, a lot of shiftiness here. Charlotte, all right, you just read her face. She's like, oh, polar bear in Tunisia. Smile. Yeah. All right. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, these these other three, you're you're not too sure. I think um, yeah. one big takeaway I had about the Frank backstory is his link to everything, meaning he you know he was the pilot who was supposed to fly that plane immediately yeah. makes him significant to the show. Yes. Um, it's like, who who is this guy? And I know we're going to do the spoiler section later in this podcast, yeah. and I'll have some things to say there. Me too. But it, yeah. It immediately um, says, this guy means something, all right, and now I mean, you're totally on board, you know, with whatever his motivation might be. Like, you see yeah. he's kind of like just vegging out, dealing with whatever in this city none of us can pronounce, and yeah. then uh, he sees, you know, he sees this news report, and then he's going to wind up back on the island, obviously. So, you know, you, you don't know if it's a redemption story, or you don't know if he's trying to just you know, answer something, um, you know, it, you know, get answers to questions or, mm-hmm. you know, if it's maybe something along the lines of self-loathing, whatever it is, but it immediately makes for good motivation and good backstory and mystery. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. I kind yeah. of love that they save him for last. Yeah. Cause he definitely has, I think the biggest reveal. I mean, the mm-hmm. polar bear in the desert, pretty, pretty sick, but like right. the fact that this man was supposed to be piloting that plane and knowing Amazing. what happens to the pilot, like that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, and I so want to know cool. so much more about about him you know conversely like i think the charlotte backstory or the flashback kind of tells you a lot miles i'm not so interested in learning about him before his you know what happened to him prior to the introduction frank i want to know more i want to know why he missed missed the flight i want to know you know how he felt about this for the next for the next you know couple months and and everything like that there's so much more i want to know about about good old lapidus yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I think um I think that's part of why I love him so much as a character and why like I just am so endeared by him every single rewatch is because you're instantly made to care about him. Like with the Charlotte flashback for example, you're you're less interested in the fact in like who Charlotte is as a person than you are about what she's in Tunisia for. Like she's mm. looking at this polar bear. Sure. And she has some sort of connection. So uh, there's a setup there where you're intrigued in the story, but uh, you're not you're not really given anything about her to like latch onto. But with yeah, Frank, yeah. instantly, instantly you're like, oh my God, this could have been a whole different show if you were the pilot. Right, totally. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Right, like, and they're like, oh, Frank is like sort of the least important person on this because everybody else is like doing things, and he's just the pilot or whatever. But like, why is he the most interesting one though? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that that's a great point, and I also think uh, excellent word choice to describe Frank endearing. He's so endearing because yeah. yeah. uh, he he yeah he he's endearing. That that that's a perfect word to describe him. Thank yeah. you, and he is. I love that and man. And so so they say, you know, he says married. Uh, Seth Norris married his high school sweetheart at 19 years old he's not wearing his wedding ring and they're like okay well dumbass the ring probably fell off and he's like no it didn't it's not him he put it on with crazy glue every day i love the confidence yeah for sure he said (laughs) like there is no way that ring would have come off they're like how would you even know that and he says i was supposed to be flying the plane that day 
National Transportation Safety Board, Oceanic Hotline. Yeah, let me speak to your supervisor. Yes, sir. Are you a family member of the deceased? No, I'm not, but I got some information on the crash. May I please speak to your supervisor? Sir, if you could just tell me... Look, I'm staring at the television right now. You're broadcasting footage of the wreckage and saying that that's the pilot, Seth Norris. Yes, sir. Well, that's not him. Doesn't matter who I am, you're showing footage of Seth Norris and that's not him. Listen, this guy married his high school sweetheart at 19, he always wore his wedding ring, and I'm telling you, there's no ring on that body. Sir, it's likely the ring fell off. I'm telling you, that is not him. How exactly is it that you know all about Captain Norris? Because I was supposed to be flying Oceanic 815 on that day. This is so iconic. Frank is so iconic. And then he made his way to the island anyway because it was fate. It was fate. Well, oh. and also Frank clearly does not believe in the scientific possibility that whatever could happen during a plane crash and then underwater yeah, right. in per- a period after could cause a guy's ring to slip off. Right. right? Yeah. So the sheer confidence. Fr- Frank, Frank is Frank is a fate character. All right. All right, he's definitely, you know, team fate and faith, not team science. And it's so interesting because you you wouldn't necessarily think that like he's a pilot and like the the content that we will get from him like he's kind of just a very like matter of fact kind of dude but the more you like learn about him the more you start to see that like he he's just vibing he's like yeah uh there's no way that that ring would have come off like i just i just know it yeah i don't know amazing yeah so in our last flash, we have Abaddon and Naomi. Um, so this is, you know, it was sort of already clear from last episode that Abaddon was not who he said he was. He didn't say he was, or like he, he said he was from Oceanic, but that doesn't seem to be true. And so we know that he works for whoever the Not Penny's Boat people are. You know, like he know he works for whoever like owns the freighter, basically. It said on Lastpedia that in interviews prior to the season four premiere, Lance Reddick, who plays Abaddon, consistently referred to his character as a recruiter. Ooh. Do we get that? They're on some sort of like deserted office floor. Like it's like a floor of an office that's just like just this desk for some reason. Also shady. <laughs> yep. So yet her. another yet another shady thing about these people. Yes. It's like I work in I work in an empty office. Yeah, right. Like where'd you even get this? But okay. Could use some furnishings. So he's got the four pictures of the science team, which is, you know, they're bringing in these four people. And he's like, did you read their profile? She says, "Uh, yeah, but seriously, like these are not the people for this mission. They have no field experience or military training. They're completely unprotected. And he's like, no, they're not unprotected because you'll be there. And she's like, well, damn, I'm not a miracle worker. (laughs) She's like, Like, I am one person. (laughs) Who are these people? It's a high risk covert op in unstable territory. And it's going to be hard enough. And now I have to deal with a head case, a ghostbuster, an anthropologist, and a drunk. This is First of all, this is very funny because they're like head case that guy's crazy ghostbuster drunk and then she's like well charlotte's an anthropologist so she got the (laughs) nicest one but also no one said that frank was a drunk yeah we didn't really we don't really get any indication of that and like no one ever i don't think that i don't think we ever see him do that as far as i understand everyone just thinks he looks like a stereotypical drunk person i guess i don't know i mean i guess it's interesting it's it's more implied than shown yeah yeah but if you know you know you can you can fill in the blanks obviously the Mm -hmm. people uh, the not penny's boat people have a lot of resources and have been planning this and have likely studied who these participants are so i think it i think it to me i I take it as you know 
fact that they yeah. would have known enough about Frank. But no, yeah. that's true. They are making it textual here. So yeah. I guess it is true. That That's yeah. a good point. And they would have known enough about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's also interesting that it's unclear to us how much these people know. It's clear that Naomi knows a lot more about everything that's going on and about this mission and everything than the these four people. Mm-hmm. It's clear that Miles, based on the things that he does in, on the island, and, and they all know that they're looking for Ben, you know? But we don't know how much they know about what the freighter has been up to. And like, if the freighter is evil or whatever, like is not Penny's boat and stuff, um, we don't know how guilty these people are. No, not at all. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it's a great point. And again, I think that plays into the fun of the episode. So it's like, I, you know, I love Dan and he's like so cute and sweet. I'm going to talk about it in the island storyline, obviously. I love him so much. And like he, it, it's just like, it's hard for me to believe that this guy knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like he's like, oh, I have this gun as a precaution. Dude, you don't know how to use a gun. <laughs> that man doesn't know how to use a gun. There's no way you know how to use a gun. You know, it's just interesting. So she calls him a drunk and Abaddon is like, sure, he's also a good pilot, though. That's why we're bringing him. Not because it's fate that he goes back to the island or anything. Not that it's fate that any of them go back to the island or anything, right? She says, what if we find survivors? He says, there weren't any survivors. And she's like, right, wink, wink. But dude, what if there are? And he's like, there weren't. Just do it, right? Don't ask again. Clearly, they both know that there are survivors. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. So he says, these people were selected for a reason. So get them in, get them out. Don't let anyone die. And she's like, of course, yeah. She herself is literally dead. Yikes. So they transition immediately after this to her dead body. And it's and it's really good. Yeah. Okay, so I think I already said this, but sorry, this is a note that I wrote a couple weeks ago when I did these notes. But correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe this is biased because I've seen the season and I already love these characters. But is this the writers already showing us that these people aren't the bad guys? Like we all, we sort of like them all already, right? Uh, yeah, I think, I, I, again, talk about a fantastic point. There's one. I yeah. think so. I think the writers clearly have introduced enough would-be villains um, by this point that they don't want to overstuff the show and they don't... Yeah. All right. And they also want... You know, by this point, they know the direction they're headed. They want the audience to go in that direction. So I I think they very intentionally would have wanted to say like, okay, maybe these people are flawed. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe there's things we want to know about these characters, but they are not the bad guys. There's someone yeah. above them and now we're going to incorporate these people in it. And they're not doing it in that horribly clunky th- way they did it with Nikki and Paolo where, oh, now mm-hmm. all of a sudden their main characters are supposed to care about them. They're not doing yeah. it in the way they've introduced Ben. Clearly Ben, you know, Ben was introduced as, yeah. you know, probably a bad guy. We don't know, but Probably. Oh, he's a bad guy. He, you know, he's the head of the others, so on and so forth. All right. And then, you know, you have some other characters like a, you know, a, a Charles Widmore is introduced, you know, in a little bit of a, he's introduced in a shady way. They want you thinking about Charles Widmore. So I like that observation that you have. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think we're made to believe in the good intentions of the like science team, but we know that there's someone above them with less good intentions especially yeah. it looks like the most malicious person on that team was Naomi which is weird because you know she's already dead and we didn't think of her as a bad person a little bit and and I I know you love your man Dan 
Yeah. But it is really kind of jarring when he reveals that, like, we're not yeah. actually here to save you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not really our. We did um lie. It's not our primary purpose. <laughs> primary objective. Right, but I think that actually works in the favor of what you're saying it shows he's honest exactly yeah he's he was honest really early and it shows he also cares he's he also cares about about people you know of the four that you're introduced to you probably worry the most about miles because he's just shown as you know <laughs> the most morally icky um yeah but i i think the others but they're also different too that's what i love yeah. about it is that they didn't just yeah that's what makes them compelling as a group shell out four of the same character yeah no totally that that <laughs> makes them compelling as a group and then you know it allows the show to go in different directions and you know different character you know relationships um with all that as opposed to you know i think they do a better job with the introduction of the freighter four and distinguishing these characters and making you care about them than say most of the tailies if i'm just kind of comparing i i would be inclined to agree yeah yeah and i think some of the tailies are great and some of the introductions reveals um of them are great and i love me some mr echo but i i think this is just stronger across the board yeah yeah, yeah. well are there any other things you guys wanted to mention about the flashes before we get into the island nothing not spoilery great no i don't have anything else great so before we go into the island storyline um i'm gonna really quickly talk to you guys about patreon um it's a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators uh we have a patreon it's patreon.com slash the aficionados and we'd really appreciate your help if you wanted to help us out over there because it is free for you to listen to this podcast but it's not free to make it takes a lot of work the one dollar level is just early access to every single podcast um this one comes out a whole week in advance on patreon uh two dollars is our discord server five dollars is ten percent off on three different small businesses casey's small business to buy some candles my small business to buy some embroidery and britney's uh small business to buy some enamel pins and prints and stickers and lots of cool stuff so you get 10% off across the board on all those things at the $5 a month level. Um, and then we have the $10 a month level, which is our Patreon only podcast, um, which comes out every two weeks. It's about 45 minutes long and it's uh, a fun time. We have This Week in Van Fam where we talk about what we've been up to uh, in the past two weeks and update people on our actual lives instead of just talking about TV. And um, I have lots of fun over there and I hope you guys check it out. Yeah. Robin and I did a really fun Patreon mm -hmm. podcast in our time recently in your time a few months ago now but um i will have put it up on this feed in january oh that's right i forgot it was going up on this feed so you guys will have heard it so check out for more of those <laughs> um so yeah if you want to help us on patreon that'd be great if you can't help us out on patreon just check out our small businesses that's another way that you can support us and get something cool out of it and if you can't do either of those just recommend us to a friend recommend this show to a friend any of our other shows that's free and it also super helps us out um so we'd really appreciate that thank you so going into the island storyline there were sort Sort of two storylines but they intersected so much especially with the charlotte stuff that i decided that we were just i was just gonna you know cover it all in one go i think that as the season goes on they become a little bit more separate and we'll be able to cover them separately but for this time we're just gonna cover the whole island storyline itself and i of course did the summary for that one the science team finds themselves in a crashing helicopter in a lightning storm they argue a bit before dan is pushed out of it he lands and meets Kate and Jack. He calls Minkowski on the phone, who doesn't want to talk if Jack and Kate can hear. Dan knows that there's GPS trackers on his friends, so they need to go looking for them. Jack and Kate agree to help. With Locke's group, Sawyer is interrogating Locke about how he knows what to do, and Locke says that Walt told him. Said and Juliet discuss next steps and Ben's motivations. Jack, Kate, and Dan find a box from the helicopter with a gas mask in it. Dan reveals that rescuing them isn't exactly his primary objective. 
Miles' signal comes through before he can say more. Sawyer asks more about this Walt thing. Locke shows everyone that he didn't die from Ben's gunshot because he no longer has a kidney where he was wounded. Jack and co. find Miles on the rocks. He pretends to be unconscious but then surprises them, saying that he knows that Naomi was in trouble because she used a code in her final goodbye. Kate tells him that Locke killed her, not them. Miles demands to be brought to Naomi's body so he can verify. Locke's crew have a little break by the river. Ben tries to talk to Alex and ends up riling up Carl in the process. He riles up Sawyer as well by telling him that he will have no chance with Kate in the real world. Uh, Sawyer wants to kill Ben, but Locke says they need him. At Naomi's body, Miles connects with her. He confirms the story. Jack asks them to put away the guns because they have two people in the trees threatening them. Saeed and Juliet reveal themselves and they give Miles an Uno reverse card. Charlotte hangs upside down over a ravine. She's able to pull herself free of the parachute and lands in the water only to be found by Locke's crew. Saeed asks Dan and Miles about their deal, including the fact that they don't seem to be surprised by the survivors, even though they're supposed to be dead. Charlotte asks Locke's crew a few questions, which Hurley answers until he's told not to. Charlotte is taken prisoner by them. Jack and friends start getting a read on Charlotte's transponder, thinking that she's running toward them. Turns out they attached it to Vincent so they know that she's with Locke. Frank finds himself climbing up a little hill. He sees a cow. He shoots off his flare gun. Uh, Charlotte sees it and wants to go towards it, but before she can, Ben shoots her with Carl's gun, but she survives because she has a bulletproof vest on. Jack and co. find Frank, who's an amazing pilot, and set the helicopter down safe and sound. We have a helicopter now! They bring Naomi's body to the helicopter. Miles tries to call Minkowski, but Regina picks up and says he's busy. Lapidus puts together that Juliet wasn't on the plane. Miles reveals the reason they're there. They're looking for Ben. Meanwhile, Ben's being beaten by Sawyer again. Locke agrees that they should kill Ben despite Alex's protests. Ben shows that he's useful by reciting Charlotte's entire life, including the names of her companions. He knows that they're there to collect him. He knows this because he has a double agent on their boat. Plot bum, bum, twist. Bum. Amazing. That's good stuff. So we start with our friends, the science team, all in the helicopter, but it's clearly going down in the storm. They have like bulletproof vests and, you know, she's like, I can't find mine. I can't find mine. It's foreshadowing, obviously, for later. And Miles gives his. So Miles just straight up saved Charlotte's life by giving her his wow. bulletproof vest. Question there. Do you think that's out of mm -hmm. character for Miles based on everything we know so far that that guy would That's give up a bulletproof vest. I, I didn't think about that until the, the second. You know what I think it was? Yeah, that no, that's such a good point. I think that rather than it being like, Oh, Charlotte, let me protect you. Here you go. It was, if you won't jump out of this helicopter without a bulletproof vest, take my bulletproof vest so that you can get the frick out of this helicopter. No, God, yeah, and which that's- That's my guess. And that's definitely in Niles' character. Yes, okay, that's my <laughs> <Yeah>. guess. <laughs> so they all have to jump, but Dan falls, aka fully pushed out of the helicopter by Miles, but he lands with the parachute and he starts hearing noises. So he grabs his little gun and is probably terrified because he's very disoriented, I assume. And he meets Jack and Kate. He says- are you Jack? Iconic. And they're like, yeah, who are you? And he says, I'm Daniel Faraday. I'm here to rescue you. I love him, your honor. He's the best. Oh, he's so good. He's so sweet. I have so many good things to say about him. On Lostpedia, it said, in the beginning of this episode, after Dan lands on the island, Jack says, hey, in the previous episode, Jack didn't say anything. And Dan just started to speak as he landed. So, but whatever. And then it said, after his arrival, Dan tells Jack, I'm here to rescue you. Jack heard these same words from Charlie when they got trapped in the caves in uh in 107 wow mm. so they walk together the rain has stopped and they're like how many were on the helicopter uh four including him four obviously an important number and they're like okay well where are those people and they're he's like i don't know i i don't even know how many got out before it went down i mean i hope they're alive but i don't know and also i lost my pack with my phone in it so i don't i love him so much he's so bumbling He's just like going around. He's the best. Like everyone is so well-spoken on this show. Like you go and especially you put him beside like someone like Saeed who is constantly like so composed and so like graceful. 
You know what I mean? Like he, everything oh, totally. he says, he's thought about and everything. And Dan is like, er, um, I don't know. And then like, is like, I don't know, dropping things everywhere. He's just the best. I love him so much. He's so, he's so aloof. He's like, I would just call them if I had my phone, but I don't have my phone. And they're like, oh, we have a phone. And he's like, oh, great. Okay. Well, that was my excuse to not have to call them, but okay, I guess I will. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Dan, Dan and Saeed as, as cops in a buddy cop comedy mm-hmm. i mean that's not a good show but that at least is a, a <laughs> good a show <laughs> a comedic a comedic two episodes that'd be yeah, funny uh, saeed's sure. also a favorite character of mine just while we are yeah, yeah. he doesn't have that much to do in this episode mm-hmm. oh but he absolutely slays every time he's on screen this episode that's that's so stand that's standard saeed yep so he's like um hi minkowski um it's me dan and he's like oh hey dan uh what happened and he's like i don't know some electrical storm I don't know. Our instruments went down. So um, I'm with some of the survivors. And, and then Minkowski's like, Dan, am I on speaker? <laughs> this is the best. And Dan is like, uh, maybe. Yeah, uh, one sec. And he like goes around and it's like, uh-oh, immediately this is extremely suspicious. So sus. He's like, oh, um, yeah, sorry. I, th- he doesn't want to talk in front of you. So Jack is worried and Kate's like, it's totally fine. Naomi fully covered for us. And Jack is like, are you sure? Because this guy has a gun. Uh-oh. So Dan says, hey, okay, so um, they haven't heard from anybody else at- yet, but we all have like GPS um, trackers on ourselves so we can see where we are. So see if you look at the phone, like here's me. Um, and soon I'll see everybody else. Um, and then he goes, will you help me find them? And they go, yes. And I just love this moment because it feels like such a side quest moment. Hmm. You know what I mean? It really does. Like, it's like, hi, I am a new character and I am looking for this thing. Will you please help me? And they're like, yes. <laughs> it just feels like such a side quest. I love it. So he's like, okay, cool. Thanks. Um, Where are your people? And she says, most of them are at the beach. And he's like, most. And it's like, yeah, some of them left. And speaking of, let's transition to them. So we go over to Locke's group. You know, he's standing in the rain, classic Locke. It's day again. So I assume they all walked through the night. I can't even imagine how tired these people must be at any given moment. And wet. They were walking through the entire night. Yeah. I mean, they're used to it by this point, but I had that thought watching it. Like their poor, like squishy shoes, like could not be me. I would just die immediately on this island. Mm-hmm. So Hurley goes over and he's like, hey, I'm worried you're going to get hit by lightning, which is fair because that's what happened to the helicopter. And he's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's actually about to stop. And he's like, really? Because it's like a really bad storm. And then it immediately stops. And it's a great it's like a throwback to season one lock. It's really good. Um, and then we also see that Vincent is with them, which is important for later. Sawyer, so smart, um, can tell that they're heading east when they should be going south. And good for him because I can't tell the difference between directions at all. Not at all. Like, I really got to think about it for a while. <laughs> Right. But if you're a, if you're a skilled con man and survivor and mm-hmm. you've spent some time on the island, all right, you would know. Yeah, so. it's true. It's true. I had, would have to figure out like. But that's that's my that's my that's my man Sawyer, you know, who has <laughs> again, he has a couple things to do in this episode, but not a ton. But there's a lot of great little Sawyer moments in this episode. I definitely agree. Yeah. yeah. So Locke says that before they get to the barracks, he wants to stop somewhere. He wants to stop at the cabin. And Hurley's like. Oh, what? No, the cabin's over here. And both Locke and Ben are like, excuse? What? You have seen this? And he's like, say more. Oh, no, sorry. I thought you meant the airplane cabin. (laughs) Hurley and Faraday being terrible liars. Yeah, exactly. So Sawyer's like, why are we even going there? And Locke says they're supposed to. And Sawyer's like, oh, yeah, because you were supposed to kill Naomi. And Locke's (laughs) like, yeah, you get it. Yeah. (laughs) Sawyer was kidding. He's like, okay. So who told you to do this? And he calls him Colonel Kurtz, um, which is a 
reference to Apocalypse Now. It is Marlon Brando's character in the 1979 movie Apocalypse Now. In the movie, but not in, this is from Lostpedia, of course, uh, in the movie, but not in the original book, which is called Heart of a Darkness. Colonel Kurtz is a great man who leads his followers out into the jungle where he subsequently goes insane. The reference is also uh, to Locke's baldness um, because uh, the character is bald. And this is interesting because Sawyer calls him Colonel Kurtz. Charlie once called Hurley Colonel Bloody Kurtz. So we've done that before. I was going to say, I, I thought we've heard this before. Yeah. And so he says, yeah, Walt told me. So he's like, okay. Everyone just stares at him. And everyone's just like, huh? Like, oh God, what have we done by following this man? Like, all right, I guess. I mean, they all should have known by this point. Yeah. So we go back to the beach. Um, We see Saeed looking out into the ocean. Juliet approaches, says, hey, whoa, we haven't seen Jack yet. Um, And Saeed has been looking for the freighter. He says, I can't even see it. And it might be coming from the other side. So we're not sure. Why would Ben say that these people were trying to hurt us? And Juliet says, because he's a freaking liar, he's trying to scare us. Or maybe they are trying to hurt us. So how many guns do we have? Listen to me. Why does Juliet have such chemistry with everyone she interacts with in this episode? (laughs) Because Elizabeth Mitchell is phenomenal. Literally. Mm -hmm. Literally. I see her sit down next to Saeed. I'm like, "Mm, I hadn't thought about it before, but now I'm thinking about it. I see her patching up Lapidus later. Never thought about it before. Whoa. Thinking about it now. (laughs) Now that would be interesting. Oh, I love it. God, I just, oh, I love her. I love her. I love her. Right. Well, she's so simultaneously intelligent, compassionate, compelling, and a little bit mysterious. So, I mean, it's just. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's the perfect alchemy um, for someone to have chemistry with other people. It really is. I know that I have said this before, but like, I think like er, in earlier episodes of this podcast, I was like, I just don't get why people like Juliet. And I would just like to once, I'm sure that I already have, but I would just like to take it back. Um, Thank you. (laughs) You know, I, I, I feel, feel like that was stupid and I don't know why I said that, but I, I, I hope nobody stopped listening to the podcast because I was stupid about Juliet. Um, I do apologize. And I, I feel so that va- I actually feel so validated by that. All right. Because yeah. this was probably, I don't know, four or three years ago or something on Twitter. Yeah. All right. But I do remember saying like, share an opinion about a lost character or something. And you, yeah. um, and you wrote, don't really like Juliet that much. And probably one of the four tweets I sent that entire year were like, you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robin, and, and now, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I said, I said, like, I think people who like Juliet only like her because they're attracted to, Ju- to Elizabeth Mitchell. That's what I said. And I take it back. I just do. And people learn and people change, you know? And that is uh, the moral of, of the story of Lost. I like her because she's pretty and intriguing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going with that. But no, I mean, she's just so dynamic in, in this role um, and was from her very first scene. And she also mm-hmm. has the, you know, you know, the benefit that she looks like Elizabeth Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. she has the benefit of having her face. Mm -hmm. I love it. Casey, David, shaking hands on being attracted to Elizabeth Mitchell. I love that woman. Uh, I love that woman. Yeah, I I mean, I'd be still saying. cross it off the bingo card. Okay. Was here for her in 2006. Still am here for her now in 2020. Woman has aged like a fine wine. I mean, (laughs) Santa Claus just turned like 20 years old. Uh, 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 
yeah. No, she's 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 really great, and it it always you know rankled me a bit that she didn't get a great vehicle after Lost. I know she was the mm-hmm. lead of the V remake, and I thought she was good in it, but that very quickly went from a pretty good show to a pretty bad show. Mm-hmm. And there were so many different series that either she could have been the lead actress on, you know, if you know they auditioned her, or she could have been a great a great character um, as part of the show. Like I'm like there's definitely an alternate universe where Elizabeth Mitchell has a, a meaty role on The Good Wife and she's awesome on it. Mm, yeah, I see that. I think she deserves nice things. Totally. She deserves every nice thing and I'm just thrilled that we are in the era the Liz renaissance. I mean, what a blessed time. Yeah, and also you can tell that she's like a good person and a really nice person. You can't say that about every character or every actor on this show. Listen, other... or yeah, You can't say that about any, every actor on any show. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, or on, or on any show. But you can tell that Elizabeth Mitchell is a good, is a nice person. Yeah, and she's yeah. so bubbly in, in person if you yeah. ever watch an interview with her and mm-hmm. you know, we would not describe Juliet as bubbly. Yeah, true. All right, let's go back. So Dan is using the GPS to try and find people. Kate sees like a metal box. They're like, this is from the helicopter. And he's like, oh yeah, um, well, we needed to get rid of heady- heavy things. So that's probably why they pushed me out. <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, uh, think about how they pushed me out first, but- like- you are you are the tiniest little person. Yeah. So Jack finds a gas mask in there and he's like, Dan, what the heck? And Dan goes, oh, um, well, I'm not in charge of packing. <laughs> I don't do the pack. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great. So I, I don't know. I didn't put it in there. That's a great line. And, and like, you know, if you go to a party with, you know, a book bag or a g- gym bag and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you open up the bag, like, is there anything more troubling to pull out than a gas mask? Because I'm, I'm sorry, like, if you right. if you go to a, if, you know, let's say we were all having a, a, you know, a party and we went through someone's bag and someone had a gun, you know, guns, <laughs> right. not good, but far less troubling than a gas mask. It's like... <laughs> How do you have one? Why would you bring it? Right. What do you know? All right. Right. If someone has a gun, I know what the plan is. It's bad, right. but I know what the plan is. If someone has sure. a gas mask, I'm like, I'm not sure what right. the plan is. Like, what's happening? Or, or, you know, I mean, again, let's not go too deep into this, but one could argue, hey, I just brought the gun for self-defense. No one brings a gas yeah. mask for self-defense. It's like. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was just a little worried I might need that. And like, especially after seeing the purge in Ben's flashback last season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so, yeah. Dan is just like, um, I don't know. And he's like so nervous. He's really clearly bad at lying. And they're like, hey, also, um, since we're talking about this, why do you have a gun? And he's like, a precaution. And like I said earlier, I don't think this man knows how to use a gun. So then he says, so rescuing you isn't exactly our primary objective, which is iconic. Hey, is that from your chopper? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, they... <laughs> Reduce the weight load when they started coming down. <laughs> Guess that's why they pushed me out. What's this for? Um, I'm not in charge of uh, packing, so um, you're not, huh? We should. Uh... Hey, Daniel. You wanna... Why did you bring the gun? Uh. Precaution? Precaution against what? Uh, okay, see, um, rescuing you and your people? Can't really say it's our primary objective. Then what is? Hey, uh, 
what's your primary objective then, guy? <laughs> would, would you like to tell, tell us, us why you are here then? And Dan's like, oops, um, saved by the bell. Miles, let's go find him. He And he gets going. Back at, with Locke's crew. Yeah, like I said, everyone's got squishy shoes. Hate it. So sorry. So Sawyer says, let's talk a little bit more about this Walt thing. Um, So you saw him in like a in a dream? And Locke's like, no, I, I saw him. Um, He was a little taller, though. Uh, He's a growing boy. <laughs> he's a little taller. Yeah, he's like, okay, so a giant Walt. <laughs> got it. Um, So what did he say? He's like, okay, well, I, he said I had work to do and that I had to stop Naomi from bringing them here. And so he's like, so you didn't ask for like more clarification or anything? And Locke's like, I, listen, I was basically dead in a pit and he came and saved me. So I, you know, wanted to believe him. So he says, Ben shot you and now like here you are just fine. Locke lifts up his shirt and shows the wound. Oof. He says, yeah, went in and out. And if I had a kidney there, I would be dead. I. But I'm not because I don't have a kidney. Iconic. Iconic. So Locke's father ultimately is a good guy. Got it. Because he helped <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point because on Lostpedia it said, Locke muses that Ben's bullet would have killed him if he had a second kidney because it would have pierced the kidney. That means that, in effect, his father who tried to kill him eventually saved his life. <gasps> saved him. Uh, wow. We certainly do yeah. not forgive him, but... Karma is a cat. Thanks. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's it. That's it. That is a. Karma is a cat. <laughs> that is a very, very sanguine reading of Locke's father's motivations and character. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. For sure. Casey, I love the idea of you know the out of context karma is a cat. As we're recording this, the new Taylor Swift album came out recently, and so. Um, but I love the idea of just out of context saying karma is a cat every time. <laughs> karma is a cat. Every time. You know. Yeah. Karma is a cat. Yeah. I get it. Uh huh. So they go and they find Miles on the rocks and. And they're like, oh my god, Miles! So Jack goes and pulls off his helmet. Oh no, Miles is unconscious. And Kate's like, is he dead? <laughs> and Miles goes, nope, surprise, it's me. And he holds a gun on Jack and says, back up, handsome. Iconic. Miles fruity, question mark? No, but I like this. He's straightforward. That yeah. is... Okay, that is the first line we hear out of his mouth, like, because yeah. his flashbacks haven't played yet. Yes. Instantly in love with him. Instantly in love with him. Right. And like, babe, how did you know he was handsome before you opened your eyes? Yeah, come on. <laughs> like, that's the first thing he says. He's like, I could just tell based on how he, he gingerly touched my helmet. <laughs> But he was handsome. Back up, handsome. Yeah, right. You immediately love him. Like, I think this is not really a spoiler, but like, I think Hurley meets Miles because, of course, everybody's going to meet everybody. But yeah. Hurley meets Miles and says, oh, no, we have another Sawyer. <laughs> but like, they don't because they're both because they're both still so different. Yeah, Ugh, it's cool. So sassy. So Dan's like, Miles, please. No, they're nice. Kate tries to steal Dan's gun, uh, but Miles clocks it and stops her. Jack says to chill and he calls her Kate, right? And Miles knows that Kate was on the phone right before Naomi died. So he says, oh, you're Kate. Okay, where's Naomi? The woman you killed. Back up, handsome. Whoa, 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 Miles. Take it easy, it's okay. You're here to help us. It's okay, Miles, we're just trying to help. Hey, back away from him. Hands where I can see him. Kate, it's all right. Okay. You're Kate. You want to tell me where Naomi is? What? Naomi, the woman you killed. Where is she?
And of course, Kate up to now has been like, oh, she covered for us. It's fine. Okay, so she didn't cover for us. And I just wanted to say, hey, guys, the panic stricken looks on your faces don't really make you look innocent in this moment. Yeah, not not exactly. Yeah. So then we have Miles's flashback and we get back to it. And Dan's like, okay, Miles, chill because these are just normal people. And he's like, no, Naomi used the code, which was tell my sister I love her. She doesn't have a sister. What a twist. What a twist from one episode to another. Great moment. There's no way that anybody could possibly have thought that this was a code or something because we didn't know anything about her. We didn't know she had a sister or not. It's great. It's a great reveal. Yeah, so smart. So he says, that's what we say if we get taken and are going to be killed. Like Jack would say right now, tell my sister I love her, (laughs) which is funny because Jack actually does have a sister and her name is Claire. (laughs) But he doesn't necessarily love her. True. Who knows? So Jack's like, we didn't actually kill her. Miles is like, okay, take me to her body. And Dan's like, we don't really have time for this because we have to worry about Charlotte and Frank. And Kate's like, okay, so she was killed, but we didn't do it. John Locke did it. He's not with us anymore but he's the one who did it miles is like taking to the body and she's like bro (laughs) even if i did you would not know what would happen what would happen like that's stupid and miles is like no no i would know let's go and of course having seen his flashback we know that he would know Mm -hmm. good stuff so Locke's group is having a little break by the river and ben's like alex i want to tell you something and carl's like dude shut up honestly respect carl i love carl carl's like you've done enough sorry he doesn't say stop it mr linus dude shut up he says yeah mr linus he says you should be quiet mr linus or like whatever um i have a gun now so it's funny that he's like i still have some respect for you by calling you not by your first name (laughs) so he says please call me ben if you're gonna sleep with my daughter you do not scare me at all and carl's like squaw that was that was a good line that was a yeah yeah runner runner up for my favorite line it was not my favorite we'll get to that We'll get to that later, yeah. but that that was that was a good line. Yeah, Carl's is like Carl's like, huh? Excuse? And Sawyer's like, oh, it's fine. Like he's just trying to get to you. Go take a walk. So Carl and Alex leave. And Sawyer's like, stop, Carl. It's chill. He's just trying to get to you. And then immediately Ben gets to Sawyer. It's really funny. So Ben's like, can I ask you a question? Oh, can I ask you, you a question? question? Because we're talking about. <laughs> Because we're talking about Taylor Swift. But he's like, um, no, no, you can't. Why did you leave Kate behind? And he's like, I'm not answering that. And then he calls him Yoda. So Sawyer knows things about Star Wars. I can't remember if it's before now or after now that he's like a Star Wars. Like he doesn't know anything about <laughs> Star Wars. But um, no, this man has. Yeah, that's a bit of a continuity error. And, and that's the second Star Wars reference in this episode. Yeah. So, yeah, he knows Star Wars. And he says, there's no way you stand a chance with Kate now. Because, like, you're so cool and charming on this island, but in the real world, you're a con man criminal going up against a surgeon. And I'm just saying she seemed like she was really upset when you decided to come this way. So it's a good thing that Jack can, like, comfort her. And Sawyer starts beating him up. And honestly, as a skate chipper, thank you so much, my crumbs, um, that he still cares enough to do that and it bothers him enough. I love it. Sure, yes. Uh, I just love it. Thank you so much. Do I know that skate is over? Yes. But... I will take a crumb. Thank you. So Locke tries to stop Sawyer and he's like, why are we even keeping this guy alive? Locke says, because he's been here way longer than us and he has information and all he can do is talk to us. He can't hurt us other than that. And Sawyer's like, oh, right, because he used his mouth to shoot you. And then Locke, an icon, goes, oh, okay, good point. Good idea. Let's kill him in front of everyone, in front of his daughter right now. Is that what you want to do, Sawyer? Yeah. And Sawyer's and, like- And that's obviously Sawyer's no-fly zone because, you know, right. of his backstory. Exactly, because he literally saw his own parents die. So he was like, okay, we don't want to do that. Got it. Okay, well, just so you know, he is going to get to us and he probably already knows how he's going to do it. That's a good point as well. 
and um, he makes Locke walk him like he's a dog and it's funny. So at the body, Miles is connecting. On Lostpedia, it said, when Miles kneels over Naomi's dead body, whispers can be heard. When the audio on the scene has been reversed, slowed down slightly and cleaned up, the phrase, you gotta see it through, can be heard. Oh my God. So did Kate just leave her body there? Uh. I guess she was like, well, I gotta get to the group. I mean, yeah, she had places to go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, gotta go, I guess. Who knows? So Kate's like, hey, uh, what's happening here? And Dan is just completely distracted, distracted by the way the light scatters. Oh my god, that line. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's that's a good line and delivery and just word choice. He's so cute. Yeah. I love him so much. He's like, oh, it's just like weird how the light works. What is this Luna Lovegood weirdo? Oh my god. I love him. So Dan is obviously named after like many characters on the show, including Desmond Hume, who's named after David Hume, and Eloise Hawking, who's named after Stephen Hawking, ooh, and ooh, John Locke, ooh. who's named after John Locke. What? And Charlotte Staples Lewis. Um, there, yeah, yes, there, um, there's a character in the Find 815 uh-huh. th- thing that's named after uh-huh. a philosopher. Uh, ooh, oh crap, I didn't write his name down. But either way, that's cool. Right. That makes total sense because, yeah, just uh, they, they am constantly doing that. They, they do be doing that. And so Dan is named after an English chemist and physicist named Michael Faraday. So Dan himself is a physicist. So um, there's a lot of lots of things that go on there who contributed to the study of electromagnetism. And we already know that electromagnetism is really important on this island because we saw a lot of it in the hatch. So from Wikipedia about Michael Faraday, he established that magnetism could affect rays of light and that there was an underlying relationship between the two phenomena. In this episode, Daniel Faraday comments on abnormalities in the light rays on the island and defines himself as a physicist. So he has a lot of things to do with Michael Faraday. Lots of stuff. Clearly uh, inspired by him. So then Kate says, maybe I could like, I don't know, try and I don't know, flirt with him a little bit. Hey, your name's Dan, right? So you don't want anyone to get hurt, right, Dan? So maybe just like put away the gun. And Dan, who in my mind is completely asexual, just like me, says, oh, um, I don't care <laughs> about what you're saying to me. Miles would be mad at me. I just think that Dan hates confrontation. <laughs> and I love that. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, no, like, no, absolutely. Mm, he, he's... I just don't want Miles to be mad. Yeah, he's simultaneously timid, but also a pacifist. Yeah. And yeah, I also feel like Dan is not going to fall for Kate's feminine wiles. I feel like there might be other, there might be other women who, you know, who can, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, cajole Dan into something, but I I don't think Kate's game is going to work on Daniel very well. And and it- Right. In my, in my- mm -hmm. And it didn't. Yeah, exactly. In my mind, Dan is- asexual, Mm -hmm. um, bi-romantic. That's my headcanon, um, and that's part of why I love him so much. Fair enough. So Jack's like, well, Kate, stop trying to do stuff, and let's just see what happens. And Kate, like, turns around like, why are you patronizing me, you asshole? (laughs) She's like, seriously, I'm just, like, trying to do stuff. And he's like, Kate, shut up. (laughs) And he, like, winks at her, um, and Kate's like, okay, I guess. So Miles comes over and confirms that Naomi died exactly the way they said. They get the phone beep to show Charlotte, who is three kilometers away. So they're like, okay, let's go. But Jack and Kate don't move. Jack says, we will go, but only if you put away the gun. And Miles is like, why would I do that? Jack says, because I have friends holding guns to both of your heads. And so we'll forgive you if you put the guns down now. Miles doesn't believe it. So then the gunshots fire and Saeed and Juliet appear. Amazing, iconic. And Kate takes gun, takes Dan's gun. (laughs) 
he just gives it. He's like, um, take it actually because I don't even want to touch it. And it's just such a good moment where uh, Miles is like, do you think I'm stupid? And Jack is like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's also good because you don't know, you know, as they're walking through the, the jungle and they're mm-hmm. having this conversation, you don't actually know for a fact that Said and Juliet are in the woods. Right. Jack could be bluffing, yeah. So is, you know, it, yeah, is one bluffing, is the other not? So I think it it definitely lets both people seem a little bit smart and skeptical. And then there's, mm-hmm. um, I have in my notes here that about something you're probably going to mention in a couple minutes. So we'll, sure. we'll get to that then. <laughs> so after Charlotte's flashback, we see Charlotte and she's hanging upside down above like a river or a ravine. There was a lost in location for this episode and it was all about this. Um, just like last episode's lost on location was all about like Hurley driving the car into that like giant thing of papayas and then mirrors or like whatever it was. The lost in location is usually about like a big stunt that happens um, and it was all about this one. So Charlotte falls into the water and she's like so happy and it was obviously a stunt performer that did the actual drop but Rebecca Mader who plays Charlotte was on like a blue screen for her close up and she was only about two feet in the air when she was doing her her close ups Bex said that she really likes to do stunts herself but this one was too big so they actually asked her if she would actually hang over the water and she said yes but she said and I quote we weren't allowed to do that so what I assume is that like the union or something said that they weren't allowed to have Mm, her hang over the water like that and then we see that Locke has found her but yeah Juliet explains to Jack that they got worried about them so they tracked them from the cockpit i feel like that would have taken a really long time so good for them to for being being able to do that jack says thanks and it's just like a little bit of jack and juliet flirting and kate's like well nobody told me that you you guys were here yeah kate 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 did not like this no and jack's like well i i gave you that wink and juliet smiles and it's like oh jack and juliet (laughs) which we all know is not endgame so and everybody who listens to this knows so saeed says Okay, so I think this is my favorite scene of the whole show. Or not the whole show. Oh my god. My favorite scene of the whole episode, which is like, I feel like a dark horse pick. But Saeed says, hello, so um, who are you? And Dan says, oh, I'm Daniel Faraday. And this is Miles. And he's like, don't. Don't tell him my full name. And he goes, okay, um, just Miles, I guess. Dan and Miles's like rapport is so good because they're so different. And so then Saeed versus Miles is also so good. So Saeed says, so what do you do? And Dan says, well, I'm a physicist, I guess, but I don't like being like narrowed down into like one thing. And uh, Miles is like, shut up, (laughs) shut up. You're so annoying. And I've had to deal with it for like, I don't know, whatever the months I've been on this boat for. And I hate you. It's so funny. It's very funny. And so Saeed says, and what about you, Miles? And Miles goes, oh, I, sol- I collect soil samples. And Saeed goes, well, that's nice. <laughs> it's so good. And he's like, it's so funny. Oh, so cool. So fun. What are your names? Uh, I'm Daniel Faraday. And this is Miles. Don't tell him my last name. <laughs> I guess this is just Miles. What do you do for a living, Daniel? I'm a physicist. I mean, I guess you can call me a physicist. I don't really like being pigeonholed in one Dan, thing. I swear to God, you say one more word, I'm going to break your fingers. And what do you do, Miles? I collect soil samples. Well, that's nice. Well, maybe you can help me. Well, hey, uh, you're not on a rescue mission because apparently everyone thinks that we're dead and here we are and you don't even seem like freaked out or weirded out about that. And Miles goes, oh my God, okay, well, I'll freak out for you, you celebrity. Um, Wow, uh, you, Oceanic A15, wow, so cool. God, I love him. <laughs> Said is completely, he doesn't even like bat an eye. He's just like, I have dealt with annoying people. <laughs> my whole life this is not a problem it's so funny Ugh. like unlike unlike dan Saeed does not have a problem with confronting 
confronting Miles. Yeah, no. On Lostpedia, it said, Saeed wonders why Miles isn't surprised that there are survivors of Flight 815 when in the following scene, Charlotte states that she can't believe there are survivors. Hmm. Speaking of that scene, Charlotte is sitting with everyone. And I just wanted to say, I'm very sad about Charlie's death, but him dying was like really helpful for me when I was writing my notes. Um, Because if he was still around, it would be harder for me to figure out who CH is in my notes. Um, oh, But sure. now I always know it's Charlie. Because sure. I usually just use like the first letter. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I understand. Or the first two letters of people's names when I'm doing my notes. <laughs> You're like, and it's real helpful for me. You can't have two C-H-A-R's. But he's gone now. Well, well, that's, again, that's definitely why Lindelof and Q's decided to kill off Charlie. Because, you know, you know. Exactly, right? Like, even I would have to write C-H-R-L before I could even figure out who I was talking about. So this yeah. is really helpful. That's why they did it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they knew you would need to have this sorted out for your notes. Over yes. 10 years later, yeah. Yeah. 15, 15 years yeah. later, they know. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It was a personal favor. <laughs> He's, she says, wow, so many of you are live. Like, how many? And Hurley's like, what's it to you? And she goes, I'm just wondering. I, I I don't know. Sorry. So he says, okay, well, 48 uh, survived originally, which of course is four and eight, not including the tail section, but they're almost all dead. So it doesn't matter. And Locke is like, hey, Shirley. Uh, hey, Shirley. Hey, Hurley. Um, shut the hell up. <laughs> Shirley. Hey, Shirley. And she goes, wow, so cool. You've been here the whole time. And you know what? She probably feels so validated knowing that she never believed they were dead. Oh, yeah. She never believed it. And she's, I bet she feels so validated. So she goes, um, is that your baby? And yeah, his name's Aaron. Oh, did you have him while you were here? Yes. Wow, so cool. So Ben, we see the shot of him seeing Carl's gun and seeing how it was like, pretty close to him. This is honestly just like a Carl being a teen thing, I think. You know, like Carl probably should be a lot more careful about it. And that's honestly kind of Carl's bad. So Charlotte says, well, I have so many more questions, but it can wait till the rest of my people come. And she sort of gets all like fancy rescuer person on them and they're not having it. She's like, let's all just sit tight, okay? Like a kindergarten teacher. Yeah. And they're all like, right. Um, And how many are there? She says four, including me. What about the helicopter? She's like, I don't know. I'm not the pilot. They're going to try and like put it down somewhere. And they're like, where? And she's like, I don't know. I jumped out of a helicopter. (laughs) I've given you the information. And I didn't see where it went. It was dark and raining. So Locke says, okay, well, you're our hostage now. So let's go. And she goes, um, what? Don't we want them to be able to find us? And he's like, yeah, sorry, but you came across the wrong group and we don't actually want to be found. So I do have one complaint about this episode. And that is that I don't, super love the fact that the only woman in the group immediately gets taken as a prisoner. Yeah, not great. While the other, the only other woman in the group is already dead. Ah, yeah. So I do sort of not like that, but. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not great. You know, if if you want to, yeah, I think that's a fair, that's a fair complaint. Obviously lost considering the era it aired, you know, gets something of a pass because of how how female forward it was with its characters as well as its diversity Mm -hmm. so lost was ahead of the curve but certainly wasn't impervious to you know certain tropes like that or you know classic things to fall back on yeah completely agree so jack and everyone are walking along to find charlotte and saeed's working on the sat phone and miles is like stop messing with it but if anyone would be able to figure it out it would be saeed so i feel like the right person has it um so saeed says he's trying to call somebody else and miles is like stop doing that the phone beeps and they're like oh my god what did you do but it's actually just charlotte's signal running towards them and jack is like oh she's running from something and this makes total sense with the other scene like we could just assume that she like somehow got away and is running away from Locke, basically. Yeah. 
So they all are like running, trying to get to her. And they're like, where is she? Where is she? And Dan and Miles start screaming for her. And Jack's like, shut up, because we don't want to see Locke. But it turns out that they attached the transponder to Vincent and and just knew that Vincent would go and find them, which is really sweet. Or was, we're just hoping to send them out on a goose chase. Yeah, so I, I have a question about this. Would okay. all of those characters really have parted with Vincent and sent him into harm's way? I, I don't care that they just kind of glossed over that, but I, when I was re-watching the episode. I'm like, ha, huh, I wonder if they would have done that and um, talk about a useless Mobisode, but there's a there's a, there's a Mobisode where it was like they all have a debate: should we send Vincent? Should no? We should not do that to Vincent. We want right. Vincent. Right. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of wonder about that, but you know, this is effectively the thing where you know they they you flush the transponder down the toilet so someone follows you know the the path of water flow to yeah. you know that that's basically what they're going for here. Um, I just thought it was one of those you know funny nitpicky things to do. That is such a fair point. That's such a good point. Yeah, I definitely feel like somebody like Hurley would be like oh come on are we we want we are keeping the dogs with the dog safe right come on not the dog no dude but I feel like (laughs) yeah Locke would be like uh I don't care this is the plan you know and at this point Locke is like the big leader and I think people are maybe even a little bit scared of him right now oh yeah definitely even the ones even the ones who have gone along with him are scared of him skeptical of him or they're just not going because of you know Locke, like Hurley's motivation is clearly yeah. because Charlie said it's not Penny's boat. That's why Hurley's doing yeah. it. So, yeah, I mean, John yeah, Locke screws things agree. up. Yeah. I really love the detail at the end of this scene, which is basically that, like, Jack says, uh, Locke's got her, right? And the detail, the, like, sort of terror or, like, the worry on Dan and Miles's face are, is so good because... It must be so scary to hear that when all you know about him is that he killed Naomi. Yeah. You know, and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, Charlotte's dead because Locke, who killed Naomi, has her. Yeah, they have no other context. You know, so I just really appreciate the, like, the scaredness uh, on their faces in that moment because that's all they know about him. Yeah, no, good observation. Yeah. So Frank's flashback, and then we get to see Frank, and uh, he's hurt, which is fair because he was in a helicopter that got struck by lightning. He climbs a hill, and he finds a cow with a bell, and (laughs) the look on his face is priceless. (laughs) So funny. Priceless. So this is one of Mikhail's cows. I believe, um, from the flame that mm-hmm. we saw halfway through last season. He sees that his sat phone is destroyed, um, so he has his flare gun and he fires the flare gun. I think it's really smart of him to have the gun and the flare like separate in his pocket rather than like accidentally shooting his leg off. Mm, sure, yeah. I just thought that was smart. <laughs> I thought that was good. Smart man. Mm-hmm. So Locke's group sees the flare um, and Charlotte's like, oh great, that's someone I know. And everyone's like, okay, we care because why? And she's like, you're here because you called for help, right? Hurley says, we should go to the And Claire says, yeah, what if they're hurt? Like, we need to help them. And Locke says, no, she's lying because they didn't actually come here for us to help us. So let's keep going. And Sawyer, of course, makes the iconic line, who are we to argue with taller ghost wall? (laughs) Yes, which um, was my runner up for best line of the episode. You can have it. Honorable mention. So good. Yeah, no, that that was my runner up. I look, I didn't remember every line going into this episode, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. if I were just a betting man, I'd be like, well, Sawyer's probably going to have my favorite line. Mm -hmm. And like, but Holloway's delivery is just priceless as always. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's so smarmy. The, the line as well and just kind of funny and, and again just hot, Josh Holloway knocks it out of the park yeah 
For sure. It's like they're all these actors are so talented because they're able to do drama so well, but they also are able to absolutely just be so good at the comedic moments yeah. too. Yeah, and, and Lost as a show has really good command. Of, Lost has really good command of a, of the tone versatility mm-hmm. of, of tone. Yeah, so Charlotte's like, whatever, and tries to leave to go and help Frank. And Locke says, uh, no, you're coming with us. And she's like, yeah, I wasn't really asking. Like, you're not going to stop me, which we really, which I really like about Charlotte is that we immediately see that she's like feisty, you know? Like, she's not going to just like lie down and listen to people she's just like i'm a i'm a not a philanthropist anthropologist what did she say she was uh, an- Ar- archaeologist anthropologist Ar- Ar- anthropologist right anthropologist yeah exactly even though she was at a di- yeah um she's like i am a philanthropist <laughs> i'm not gonna just listen to this random bald man no yeah but then ben ends up shooting charlotte in the chest twice we see that carl's gun is missing so that's what he stole sawyer immediately starts beating up ben again assuming that charlotte is dead and that he you know they (laughs) took away their sort of like not only just like a person and a life but also like their betting chip you know yeah so Locke goes to charlotte to go and help her because like he says like i'm so sorry i truly did not mean for you to for that to happen to you but charlotte is alive because she had that bulletproof vest on so literally miles like giving it to her saved her life another moment of fate yeah Um, it's like it's like both Locke and charlotte were saved by these tiny little details, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, goddamn, would you ever be winded and out of breath after after that amount of pressure? I can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah. I don't want to know. Um, you just get it all knocked out of you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. So Jack's group has found Frank. Dan asks if he's alive, and Jack has found a pulse on him, so he should be okay. Um, so I guess he just straight up he fired the flare and then straight up passed out. Frank says that they got struck by lightning. So I'm not sure how he was able to land this helicopter after getting struck by lightning but I guess it's all made of metal so it was just sort of a conductor I I don't know how that works so Dan asks where Charlotte is and he's like oh I don't know she jumped out right before we went down and they're like okay well where's the where's the crashed helicopter and Frank's like I saw a cow <laughs> iconic I love him I saw a cow That's so funny yeah. Should just start using that. Just just start using that line to people in life when they ask you something and be like, I just saw a cow. Saw yeah, a cow. I saw a cow and karma is a cat. <laughs> karma is a cat. These are all things. Yeah. Um. So he's like, Frank, please, where did the helicopter crash? And he's like, crash? I'm the best pilot of all time. It didn't crash. Even after being struck by lightning. It's right over there. So they go over the ridge and oh my God, we have a helicopter now. And it says on the tail, M842M, which so eight and 42 are there. And it said on Lostpedia that if that was interpreted as the registration number, it would make it registered in the USA. So it is a US helicopter. And I love this moment because you can see the hunger in the survivor's eyes. Like that's crazy. Every single one of them have this like, I use mm -hmm. the word hunger too in my notes. But like, right? That's what I saw. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's also now just, you know, now they can see the finish line a little bit more because, yeah. you know, they're thinking they're going to yeah. get off the island. It's like, oh, helicopter, those things fly. We're going to we're going to get off. I think, you know, the other thing that's so great about this season. All right. Is we know that some of them are going to make it off the island. All right. At the end of yeah. season three, you might have assumed all of them made it off. Now we know that only six of them are going to make it off the island. Yes. So so much of the fun of this particular season is figuring out who the six are how are they going to get mm-hmm. get off the island because you know you know so many things about how this season ends all right but how are they going to get there so in terms of the season-long mystery which is how does the oceanic six get off of the island 
the helicopter being on the island is, you know, probably the first big clue. You know, you yeah. figure that's yeah. going to, you know, going to find its way into the into the plot as the season goes. I'm not saying whether it does or not, but I will ask in the spoiler section. Right. Yeah. And like even Hurley like says that they like left them left so many of them behind and like they've been lying about it, too. I love that because we we were talking earlier about how this season is so much different than all the other seasons because the other seasons like a normal TV show other than like you know the dope flashbacks and stuff were like you know sort of linear like okay what's gonna happen next and now it's like how do we get to another place instead of like if we already know the end game how do we get there instead of like just what's going to happen next. It's right. very cool. It's super, super cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I so responded to it when it when it aired. And again, I think mm-hmm. many years later, this is why it's, you know, my, my favorite season of the show, along with the yeah. episodes in this particular season. There are so many great ones and there's mm-hmm. great episodic mysteries, you know, kind of secondary mysteries, like who are the Oceanic Six um, and how that was, you know, that was doled out um, and, yeah. and all things like that. There's just so much that's compelling about the season and well controlled constructed and surprising at the same time even though as a viewer you know you, you know what's going to happen all right yeah. i mean talk about like the great trick of 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 writers uh of these writers here is they've given away the ending all right you know they, they they've to- they've and yet we're still watching they've told you how the and you're, and you're still watching and you're still not sure how this is all going to come together. And they're just like, have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. And again, there's probably a few more things to say in the spoiler section about that. But yeah, moving on. So Kate and Dan are carrying Naomi's body on a stretcher. Another fantastic uh, scene. This is probably one of my other favorite scenes of the episode. And we see, you know, Saeed's looking at the helicopter and he says to Jack that like there's minor damage, but it definitely looks usable. So it's definitely going to fly. Miles asks for the phone back. Jack says yes, but he has to tell them the reason that they're there. And Miles says, okay, I will, but I want the phone first. And they could just keep going back and forth for hours at this point. But Jack concedes and is like, fine, but don't talk about your sister. Okay. Um, (laughs) I love that everyone immediately hates Miles. It's very funny. (laughs) But Miles strikes me as the type of person who likes confrontation. So he'll be fine with it. That's a man who thrives on confrontation. Yeah. So Regina answers, um, who we're going to meet more this season. And he's like, hey, where's Minkowski? And he's like, he can't come. Okay, go get him. Dude, no, he can't come. Which is weird because Dan literally like just talked to him a couple hours ago. Yeah. And he seemed fine. So he's like, Minkowski can't answer the phone right now. Why? Because he's dead. he's dead. Not a spoiler. That's a Taylor Swift reference. Not a spoiler. Um, just a Taylor Swift reference. Um, so he's like, okay, fine. Tell him to call me when he can. And Regina's like, okay, bye. I gotta go. And it's really, it's like really weird and suspicious. I don't remember what it is that's so important for Miles that it has to be Minkowski and like George Minkowski that he's talking to. And he doesn't want to tell Regina for some reason, but we'll see. So Miles asks what they're doing with Naomi's body. And Dan's like, uh, we're bringing her back to the freighter. And he's like, why? It's just meat. It's not her, which is like harsh. Um, wow. Dan is like, okay, well, we can't just like leave her. And Frank is like, no, he's right. Like we don't have enough fuel. We can only take a small amount of things. I will take her on the next one, Dan. I promise. He says, I promise, Dan. He uses his first name. I think that's lovely. I love their friendship that you can tell that they already have like this, like Dan and Miles have this like really sort of you know alpha and beta very clear um relationship but frank like talks to dan like they're on the same level and i think that's yeah. so lovely and it feels like dan really cares about naomi like we don't really 
see that at all because, I mean, she's dead already. But I think that just tells us that he's really, like, empathetic and, like, sentimental, you know? Oh, totally. I think he's just, like, really kind. Yeah, I think every, I mean, not every scene, but many of the scenes in this episode, Faraday comes across as caring. Yeah. You know, it's oh. him, him watching him watching the video. It's him mm-hmm. being honest with Jack. It's his, you know, um, what you just said about Naomi. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably, in terms of characters you really understand of the newbies in this episode, I think you probably understand Faraday the most maybe Miles the second most um, or at least you know the most things about his personality you might not understand his whole psychology by any means but yeah. Faraday you really get a sense of and, and some of that which is so interesting because like I said earlier his flashback was the smallest with the le- least amount of information yeah cool. and I love that Dan is still wearing his transponder because he just never takes things off he's like if I'm wearing it why would I do why would I make effort to take things off he just wears that tie he forever. just wears that necktie ugh I also think that he probably keeps it on for Charlotte to find him or to find it, them, even if she doesn't even like have the the phone or like whatever. Like he just keeps it on just in case. Yeah. Which I think is sweet. So Jack asks Kate to grab a blanket so that they can put it over top of Naomi. And Juliet is cleaning up Frank. And, you know, they have like a cute little joke together. Oh. And, you know, Casey ships it a little bit. The tension. (laughs) I think it's funny that, like, she's supposed to be a doctor, which she is, but they clearly had just been like, hey, okay, Liz, can you just, like, I don't know, dab this Kleenex (laughs) on the wound that we dressed? But don't mess it up too much because we have to do it over and over again for every take. (laughs) Like, it's clear she's just, like, dab, 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 like, around it. She's doing her best. Yeah. Look as bad as it feels. How bad does it feel? (laughs) What's your name again? Juliet. Juliet. Juliet what? Juliet Burke. Juliet Burke. You weren't on that plane, were you? Miles? Yeah. This is Juliet. And she was not on the plane. What? You sure? You know how many times I studied that damn manifest believing there's no Juliet Burke on that plane? Oh, it's so good. I yeah, that, love that line. You weren't on that plane. That's that's really good. It's good usage of Juliet as, you know, a, a, a plot device in, in a mm-hmm. sense. And I think somewhat similar to Miles not falling for Jack's non-bluff. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, here each side, you know, the, the castaways and the freighter people, each side is shown to be smart and knowledgeable. And now they both mm-hmm. have reason to be skeptical of one another. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wh- which... I think that just increases the tension. It's it's really good writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. And that's a really good point that it's sort of like a plot device because it took our heroes a whole season to learn that there were people on this island who weren't on the plane. And they need our new people to learn this information quickly because they need to be up to date on the things that our people know or else we're just, or they're just lagging behind and what's the point of them, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. So they're figuring out immediately and it's really smart. Yeah. And like they called him a drunk. Maybe he's a drunk, but he's a smart drunk and he's clearly capable as hell. Right. Yeah. And he's informed and, and good for him. And I think, again, this this is a cool character detail for Lapidus yeah. because, you know, it shows that for whatever reason, he didn't make it on the plane. And for whatever reason, he's coming back to the island. All right. He he is dedicated to, to this cause. He has something to write. And that is why he knows the name of every single passenger. Um, and he's memorized it all, Incredible. all 324 of them. So talk about having too much information because, you know, only 40 something of them are alive at this point. Yeah. 
He's amazing. Yeah. And he's also, you know, another fun thing about Lapidus is like that character and even some of Jeff Fahey's performance, it's Mm -hmm. straight out of a late 80s or early 90s movie. All right. Yeah, like, he does so good. He's so good. Yeah. So um, good. It, it really is out, out, out of that. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's maybe a bit anachronistic, but I, I kind of like it. And yeah. also we all know people who like, you know, they're still out of the 80s or the 70s or the 2000s, whatever it is, even though we're in modern times. So some people still, you know, car- carry those hallmarks. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he gets clocked. I feel like he gets clocked by Sawyer at some point about how he like is directly out of that sort of movie or TV <laughs> Oh, does Sawyer? So- I mean, I could see Sawyer saying it for sure. I- I'm pretty sure he does, but I can't remember the exact line. I mean, I vividly remember Sawyer calling him Chesty at one point. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I feel like so maybe there's a line where Sawyer says something about how Lapidus was in a Burt Reynolds movie, or maybe that's some- oh that might be it. maybe that's something I read um, on any you know pop culture website. It sounds familiar at the time where the- they talked about it, but I feel like you know Sawyer is the ultimate pop culture website. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He really is. So Juliet's face after this is like immediately like uh uh oh I have somehow immediately been scene just by giving him my name right and it also shows how capable these people are you know like naomi completely underestimated them oh yeah and like it's clear that like they can do more than she even thought that yeah it's very clear they they all do serve a purpose so frank immediately tells miles that she wasn't on the plane and he said that he read the manifest a million times and juliet burke was not a name on on it so she must have already been here and that makes sense to me because juliet is a pretty uncommon or like maybe a name that would stand out, I feel like. And so he would remember not seeing that. Like, I I can't imagine being Lapidus, having read those names a million times and then people being like, hi, I'm Kate Austin and being like, yeah, I remember seeing that name or like, oh yeah, I remember seeing Saeed Jarrah on that list. You know, right? Yeah, Ju- Juliet, <clears throat> excuse me, would stand out a little bit more mm-hmm. than I'm... You know, Charlie Pace. Yeah, you know. yeah, for sure, for sure. It's not quite as common or generic of a, of a name. James Ford. <laughs> James James Ford. Um, so, see, imagine if he asked Sawyer, he would have said the name Sawyer. There was no Sawyer in the plane. Well, that's because my name is James Ford. Well, now you're just lying <laughs> yeah. to me. All right, so... Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's dumb to lie about your name. <laughs> yeah, but no, it does show how how capable they all are. And again, I think that that just makes for better drama. Yeah, yeah. And so Miles immediately just turns to her because I guess they knew that people because they know that Ben is there, right? Yeah. Oh, so they yeah. knew that people were there beforehand. And so now he assumes correctly that Juliet knows Ben. Okay. So he says, "Where is she?" And Jack like immediately freaks out and like goes to protect Juliet because they're still trying to make jacket happen and they're like where's who so miles says you gave me the phone and so i have to tell you why we're here here's a picture of the man we're looking for it's benjamin linus and i'm like where is that picture from the dmv (laughs) Uh, uh, so what is he doing in that picture okay so what's really funny is when i saw that he's got his kind of like he has his vest on and it looks from yeah it's from call it the you know mid 80s maybe and like the old Mm -hmm. like the old computer labs before you know like people everyone had a personal computer and like Uh all that but have either of you ever watched person of interest no okay so so it's literally if britney was still a a host she'd be able to tell you everything but yeah yeah every detail but i never i never watched it sorry yes and and Brit- Brittany and i on one or two occasions i think we've we've texted about uh the tw- yeah. tweeted about person of interest but anyway mm-hmm. so uh michael emerson is on person of interest 
And yes. that picture and how he looks is reminiscent of a certain era on person of interest. So I just immediately thought of that. I'm like, oh, that's Harold Finch in the 1980s when he's at computer right. lab. Okay, so that that's just where my, my head went. Person of interest was completely inspired just by this one random photo. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. This prop photo. Also, just as a recommendation to you and a, a plug, which I'm not getting paid for, person of interest is an absolutely phenomenal show that I encourage all yes. listeners to watch. It's, again, very topical, so well done, and actually has my all-time favorite TV character. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I've definitely heard good things. Yeah. yeah for well worth watching. Takes a, takes a little, it was one of those shows where it takes a, a little while to get great and be the exactly. show that it wants mm-hmm. to, but even though those, you know, the opening, you know, half season is still very good, but a great show and yeah. not the show we're here to talk about. Sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> No, go ahead. I'm constantly plugging things that aren't relevant. Um, by the way, have you guys seen Dimension 20? It is a D&D actual play show. Not relevant, but one of the best things that's happened to me in the past two years. Oh, cool. Um, Casey, do you want to plug something random? Well, I'm kind of like also on my Dimension 20 kick now. Um, yeah, um, relatable. Um, um, all of a sudden, I can't think of anything I've... Oh, <laughs> Drag Race. I've Oh, yeah. Except... Oh, God, I have so much beef with VH1 because I now all of a sudden can't watch seasons 13 or 14 and I started Canada's Drag Race, but they only had the first four episodes and you have to pay for the rest. I'm just... Um, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so love Drag Race. If I could send you Crave from Canada, I would. But, oh, oh if you could send me Crave from Canada, that would be nice too. <laughs> just, Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay, perfect. Now that we've all um, plugged things, uh, you know, they say, where's Ben? Where is Ben? And they're like, we'll show you where he is. Um, it's a good transition. He's currently getting uh, beaten up by Sawyer as usual. And Locke is like over there checking in with Charlotte to make sure she's okay. And she says her chest hurts, which makes um, total sense. But she said she'll be okay. And Locke says, I'm really sorry that happened. I did not want that to happen to you. And she goes, weird because it sort of felt like you also wanted to shoot me and he's like well um i can't use you for things if you're dead and she's like oh cool thanks great he knows how to welcome a girl i love all of these sarcastic assholes and dan yeah it's kind of great it's great so charlotte immediately clocked ben i assume you know because she knows that they're there for ben and she like was able to cover up the fact that she immediately was like that's the guy we're looking for but i can't make it i can't make it weird so Locke goes to Sawyer and Sawyer says, mm, I told you so. And Locke's like, no, you were right. Um, He is no longer working for like the good of our group. So yeah, we're gonna kill him. <laughs> Sawyer says, oh, do you want me to do it? Um, And he says, no, no, I will do it. Which is funny because like Sawyer has now like killed multiple people and Locke is like, couldn't even kill his own dad before, but kills people now also so alex is saying stop and it's nice that like she really does clearly like love him or like care about his well-being and everything you know all of the times where she like pretends to to be mad at him and stuff like it's nice that she does clearly actually care Mm -hmm. loxa tells danielle to take her away and alex is like still protesting but uh, danielle tries to take her away and carl agrees and also tries to take her away lox says anybody should leave who doesn't want to see this and you know claire's like hey whoa 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 whoa. i don't really want to be complicit in murder Maybe we should talk a little bit more about this. And Locke says, what if the gun or the bullet had hit you or the baby? Like, this man is clearly dangerous. Oh, so manipulative. Um, so manipulative mm-hmm. from Locke. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, last episode, Locke was like, okay, Hurley, well, we better um convince everybody or else Charlie died for nothing, he says to Hurley's face, you know? Oh, my God. So yeah. Ben says, no, 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 wait, hold on. I have information. And Ben knows that the jig 
is up and Locke is really going to do it and he has the means to do so. And so Ben's like, okay, I have to, you know, give up my information. This is what I've been holding on to just in case this happens. And so this is what I will do. And Locke says, okay, uh, what's the monster? And Ben says, ah, crap. Well, <laughs> I wanted to give you any information that you wanted, but I actually don't know that one. Uh, sorry, can you ask me another one, please? And Locke's like, no, I will just kill you now. So Ben says, all right, I'm going to give you an info dump about Charlotte. So her name is Charlotte Staples Lewis. Um, which of course is a reference to Clive Staples Lewis, who is uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. So her parents had a sense of humor, I guess, and was <laughs> and gave her the middle name of Staples. That's fun. She uh, was born on July second, nineteen seventy nine, um, and she's a Cancer, so that makes her a Cancer, and she's that also makes her twenty five years old as of this time. And David, you had brought this up already, but this on Lostpedia that this was actually an error. Yeah, yeah, that, that's I just I saw that on it when I did a little prep for the episode, yeah. and that Lindelof and Hughes kind of called uh, Rebecca Meter out for it, and then they apologized, yeah. and then they had to acknowledge exactly. that she's younger, and uh, also like again, there it wouldn't make any sense that she would be twenty five and be like mm-hmm. that that accomplished of a an anthropologist by that point, <laughs> right? So, um, but obviously errors like that happen. Yeah, so she it was said that it was July 2nd, 1979, and they have implied that her actual birth date should have been in 1971. Um, so she should be eight, eight more years, so 25. So she'd be 33, yeah. Plus eight is 33, which makes way more sense. And I think that Rebecca, you know, sort of adds, portrays her with an air of someone who's older than 25 anyway so that makes sense but yeah like you said they assigned partial blame to Rebecca Mater indicating that she had changed the date on set without their permission but then they retracted that statement and apologized saying that her script had said 1979 but uh yeah despite that they maintained that 1979 is not right and it should have been 1971 yeah happens so that was the whole thing she was born in Essex England and her parents were named David and Jeanette and yeah like I said dan is from essex massachusetts so um it's cute that she's from essex england and essex is also this is from lostpedia obviously essex is also a reference to a famous whaling ship that was launched off the coast of nantucket in 1819 the mission of the ship was to hunt sperm whales in the south south pacific the ship sank and the crew ended up on an uninhabited island in the pit cairn chain where they fed on birds fruit and vegetation as well as water from a local freshwater spring before result resorting to cannibalism the survival members of the crew were rescued on day 93 and the story is the inspiration for moby dick oh my god huh. that's that <laughs> so there you go that is interesting and it's somewhat reminiscent of the story of lost and i'm thinking of your right. joke from earlier of like oh what could the team actually have been looking for under the, you know under the in yeah. the ocean and you said the black rock maybe they were looking for the essex thing but if the crew is discovered right. then you know interesting oh, well. And it's also another person on the show whose dad's name is David. Hurley's dad's name is David. Um, and then obviously Libby's husband, ex-husband's name is David. His name is David. Yeah. And then we have Dave, Hurley's yeah. uh, the friend from the asylum. Mm-hmm. So lots of Davids. Mm-hmm. And it says that she's the eldest of three sisters. Um, she went to school at Kent and Oxford, where she got a PhD in cultural anthropology. There are two other team members and a pilot, Daniel Faraday, Miles Strom, and Frank Lapidus. And Charlotte is obviously stunned at the fact that he knows all of these things about her. And he says, you're right, John, they are trying to hurt us. And if you shoot me, you will never know anything about it. Uh, on Lastpedia, it said... 
Ben's life was saved by Charlotte through her acknowledgement that his information about her is correct. He was saved by the woman he just tried to kill. So if wow. he had actually killed her, they would have killed Ben. Wow. Because uh, who knows if any of the things he was saying was true. Right. And she acknowledges that it's true, which is why he's allowed to be alive. Yeah. I also think Ben- Ooh, it's good. I also think Ben would have found a way out of that one if, um, mm-hmm. no matter what. It's true. Yeah, he probably would have. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, one thing this episode does do a good job of, there's, for the characters as well as the viewers, there's so much suspense, mystery, and fear about Ben and what mm-hmm. he's capable of at this point in the series. And they don't yeah. really know the extent of his, um, the extent and the limits of his knowledge or his power. Mm-hmm. And I think the, this episode's mi- this episode mines a lot of drama from that, as do many episodes um, of the show with Ben. Yes. Yeah, this is this is definitely um, you know, a good one. Even like Ben kind of shooting actually going to shoot Charlotte's it's a great payoff to when Sawyer says Ben will do something trust me and we're you know mm-hmm. we're all kind of just thinking he's talking about Ben in general it's like don't trust him don't trust him and then Ben actually does try to murder someone in this episode so it's right it's foreshadowing but it's so perfectly disguised yeah it's good yeah and here Ben actually tells them the truth okay mm-hmm. which he doesn't usually do yeah which he doesn't usually do but you know when it's in his favor he, he tells them the truth I mean Ben is mm-hmm. just Ben is just great yeah it's true. He's a very good character. Yeah. So he says, I know what they want. And they're like, what? And he goes, me. Here's the thing. I would be so embarrassed to have such a main character moment in front of everybody. <laughs> you know, like if they're like, I know what everyone wants. It's me. And then, you know, a spotlight goes on. I'd be like, oh my gosh. So the moment where he's like, me. It's him. He's the problem. It's him. They want me. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's him. He's the problem. Fun- this is the Fun- Taylor Swift yeah. edition. Fun fact, I, I saw him on the street once in New York. Yeah. <gasps> Very cool. Yeah. Um, Michael Emerson? Michael Emerson, yes. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So cool. But like, also Charlotte was just like about to just let him be murdered. Like, is is it a dead or alive thing with Ben? Like, they're bringing him back, I guess. I don't know. But so then Be- Locke says, how do you even know that? Did you just make that up? And Ben says in the plot twist of a lifetime because I have a man on their boat. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. incredible stuff. Yeah, you know, big dramatic sound, episode over. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's such a reveal. Or not even a reveal. Is there anything else you guys want to mention that isn't spoilers um, about the island storyline before we get into segments here? I have one thing, but you go first sure. if you have something. The the only thing I, I, I would want to mention is there's that scene earlier in the episode when there's some talk of killing Ben and you see, you know, they're all debating it and you see Sawyer actually does check for and acknowledge Hurley's opinion in this and, and takes mm. it in, which um, is, you know, very indicative of Sawyer's character growth as well as Hurley's, how Hurley has become more of a leader over these, you know, three plus seasons. Um, so I, I just that. thought that I just thought that was a cool thing to uh, that the episode, you know, doled out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Should we go into segments, my friends? Let's yeah. do it. Okay, so our first segment, as always, is our favorite line award. Um, my favorite line award goes to Saeed and Miles for. And the world at large believes us to be dead, but here we are, alive and well, and you don't seem remotely surprised to see oh us. Oh my God. You guys were on Oceanic Flight 815. Wow. That's better. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. He's so sassy. I love him. Um, And I wanted to give my honorable mention to another Miles moment. uh, Miles and Jack for... Come on. How stupid do you think... (laughs) 
How stupid are you? Oh, Jack, likable so in that moment. Funny. The, Love it. Oh my god, the amount of good Miles lines mm-hmm. this episode. He's about to take over the favorite line award uh, segment. Yeah, he really is. Sawyer has another thing coming for him. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite line award goes to Locke for the bullet went in one side, came out the other. I'd probably be dead if I still had a kidney there. Iconic. Iconic. The amount of times, like, take a, this is a little bit late, but take a shot every time that we say the word iconic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, when so many iconic things happen in an episode. Yeah. Yeah, we are talking about one of the most iconic shows of all time. It's true. So my favorite line, and uh, I don't think I'm going to do as good of a job uh, imitating the actors as you both have done throughout this, but it's. (laughs) Why would Ben say the people coming here intend to do us harm? Because he's a liar, and he's trying to scare us. That's what Ben does. Or because the people coming here intend to do us harm. How many guns do you have left? Oh, and I, I, I think it's that'd be Juliet. That that would be Juliet. I think one, it's it, it's a terrific line. I think Elizabeth Mitchell's delivery does t- take it up a level, but I think. Mm-hmm. It so perfectly uh, encapsulates Ben as a character and how you as a viewer don't know which one it is. She, who knows him the best, doesn't know which one it is. Right. In a sense, both really are true. But nevertheless, Juliet as a character is like, nope, we act. We get the guns. All right. Because they probably are here to do us harm in part because Ben really is such a freaking liar. (laughs) So it it, it works on so many levels. But it's like as Elizabeth Mitchell delivers it, it it feels um, almost gospel that you could just believe Mm. everything she's she's saying here. Right. Did you want to give an honorable mention to your Sawyer line? Oh, I mean, sure. I think we kind of did it. But yes. (laughs) Who are we to argue with taller ghost Walt? Who are we to argue with taller ghost Walt? Oh, so good. Yeah, that's the... The The literal words, taller ghost Walt. Taller taller ghost Walt. Yeah. Um, You know, yeah, that's a great line. Um, Our next segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. We've got lots of characters to talk about this episode. um, But as uh, we said that Frank is extremely Man of Faith, um, we already talked about. Yep. I think that Naomi is extremely on the side of science to me. I would agree. Um, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think about Dan, Miles, and Charlotte. Dan? Oh, Dan is so fascinating because yeah. he mm-hmm. is quite literally a scientist. But mm-hmm. that man oh. is a, a faith-driven man. Casey, that's beautiful. That's freaking poetry. Yes. He's both. No, I think he's both. I think that's – I think that's – I've – I can't say I've ever thought about that up until this point, but I think he he really straddles that line. He's literally a scientist. He's both. Like, That's poetry. You guys, Charlotte's the exact same way. Charlotte, yeah, she's... Charlotte is a scientist, and she's so filled with faith. Yeah, she's she's similar. I don't think you get as much of that from this yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, I would say she's she's a little more heavy on the science, on the and, science. and yeah. concrete fact right. side. Like, yeah. how she kind of like... But she has faith that the crash isn't real yeah right yeah 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 Yeah. miles is almost the opposite of dan miles is to me Mm. is like neither it's just like whatever works for me in the moment every and everything else just off that's fair uh you know he's kind of just like a nihilist yeah he 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 is and like i think miles miles the character could argue the science side of it of these people are dead but they leave 
they leave something behind and I can act, I can access it. So I, yeah, I don't know if Miles, what Miles believes in other than himself. Yeah. It's like, I think that's interesting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Casey. I was just going to say like, he, he's not, he doesn't seem particularly driven by faith, but like the very nature of what he's able to do, like Mm -hmm. that is not based in science. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say is that Dan and Charlotte, like they are scientists. And I don't know if Miles believes in it, but what he can do is rooted in spiritualism. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting. It's like both, both science, faith, neither. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, skipping over Hurley's Walkman and Sawyer's book corner because there was nothing for us this episode. Did they do the thing, which means uh, if they said the name of the episode in the episode, um, they did not, but they are confirming deaths in basically every flashback. How many episodes since the last knockout? That's going to be three episodes since the last knockout. So we are we are gunning for a record. Um, people are constantly being knocked out. And does this episode pass the Bechdel test? I do not think so. Mm, sure doesn't. I'm cannot recall a time in which two women are speaking. I mean, other than like Charlotte asking Claire about her baby for three seconds, but that does not count. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Lost obviously has a lot of female characters, but I don't yeah. think two women spoke to each other in this episode at mm-hmm. all. Forget exactly. about the yeah. Bechdel test being two women talking about, you know, a man like I when I watched this episode for the hell of it, I watched uh, the beginning of the end and there's the mm-hmm. line where, you know, Rose says something to Claire of like, oh, your man Charlie did it for us. You better go make him happy mm-hmm. or, or, you know, something like yeah. that. Um, and, you know, that's it's all sweet. Um, but that episode, you know, would fail <laughs> the, the Bechdel yeah. test. Yeah I, yeah, I was trying to think like Kate didn't talk to Charlotte in this episode. No. So that yeah, would have been no. the only opportunity really. Yeah. And Kate didn't even really have a have a second with Juliet either. Not that she would want to because I think Kate's really mad at her. But as we've also said in previous. Right. Well, the second she did have was so Bechdel anyway. So it's so yeah, non-Bechdel because right. it was like, oh, you know, she's like, well, Juliet, you knew Juliet was there, Jack. Oh, well, I winked at yeah. you. It's so right. obviously, yeah, you know, yeah, a, yeah, a woman yeah. and a man thing. So. And as we've said in previous episodes, there are many other tests other than the Bechdel test that matter. But this is the one that we have a segment for, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Casey, your line. Let's take it away. Okay. <clears throat> Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Um, and thank you, as always, to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. It's true. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. And thank yous to whoever cooperated in the same place as us during this podcast. So that's going to be a shout out to my dog. What about you, Casey? I was going to say, I haven't heard your little little man since we started recording. No, he been sleeping. Thank you so much to my parents for keeping it down. Woo. What about you, David? Anybody? No, my turtle is in the other room and she's been quiet. <laughs> Thanks to the turtle. Thanks, turtle. Yes. If you are so inclined, please write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend. That'd be great. If you're a fan of The 100, well, we'd like to talk about that show too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing um, and now we've been going back to do the good old days. So season three is all done. We've been going backwards and we are in the midst of season two, which I am having an absolute blast talking about because it's my favorite season. That is one of the best seasons of television ever made. For sure. If you're a fan of 
Riverdale. We like to talk about that show too. We did all of the seasons that are currently available. We have an episode of the podcast for every single episode of Riverdale. Um, You don't have to watch Riverdale to listen to it. And uh, this coming season, I'm not sure when it's going to come out. Maybe it's already out at this point. Probably not. But uh, it's going to be the last season. So catch up so that you can um, hang out with us. Uh, If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Um, By the time this comes out, we should uh, be starting um, dealing with uh, episode four. Yes. Or episode four. With season four, we uh, have done all of the seasons up until then. And then we also have two small episodes where we talked about the different volumes of season four. So um, we'd really appreciate it if you checked it out. I am so excited for the season four <laughs> Stranger Things podcast. Me too. You can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. Uh, mostly Twitter, but Robin does make gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. Our Patreon, like I said earlier, is patreon.com slash The Um, If you like what we do here, please consider donating um, because it's expensive to um, make ultimately, even if it's not expensive money-wise, which it kind of is. Um, it's also expensive my time-wise, so <laughs> I'd really appreciate it. Um, you can follow me personally at Robin. E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Casey Watches TV, which is C-A-S-E-Y-W-A-T-C-H-E-S-T-V. You get it. <laughs> and David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you so much for having me. I, ha- I had a blast and it was just really great to talk about um, one of my favorite shows. You were a great guest. Thank you so much. It's Where true. can people follow you? Uh, again, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. I don't do a ton there, but it is at DeepSky24MDNA. So D-E-E-P-S-K-Y-2-4-M-D-N-A. Great. Um, next episode is episode 403. It's called The Economist. Um, and our guest is going to be our friend Alice. Um, she's on Twitter at star in the title. Um, and, uh, I'm really excited to talk to her about it. This is going to be her first official episode because she was, has only been on a, uh, on a round table before. So I'm really excited to do that one. Yay. Yay. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Peace out. <laughs> Great. All right, spoilers. Okay, so let's start with um, some of the points that I grabbed the uh, off Lostpedia who were spoilers. This is the only episode. It says, okay, so it was weird because it said, this is the only episode to have a flash from Frank's point of view. And then it says that he has a flashback in Namaste, but the episode doesn't have a centric character. And I was like, okay, but so that means that there are two episodes that have Frank uh, have flashbacks from right. Frank's point of view though, right? Anyway, I thought that yeah. was kind of weird and contradictory, but it's one of the only episodes with a with a flash. Uh, with Frank. I would like to see more. Me too. Um, it also said that Charlotte also never had a, another centric episode, um, but her backstory was more like incorporated into the time travel in season five. And David, you want to say something, say something about that? Yeah. Um, just for some uh, history from when it aired, this was the television season where there was the writer strike. So many yeah. shows um, started production, had to stop in the middle. Very few shows aired for a period of time. And then they all came back, let's just say sometime in the spring. But a lot of se- mm-hmm. um, seasons got truncated. So Lost original plan when it was going to do the final three seasons was going to be three seasons of 16 episodes each. And Mm -hmm. um, as a result of the writer's strike, they couldn't do that. So they had to shift some stuff from seasons four to five. And they ended up doing, I believe, 14, 16 and 17 episodes across those three Mm. seasons. So the uh, the freighter four stories were um, one of the things that had to be shortened. And then they just incorporated them to the best of their abilities in later seasons, particularly season five. So that's some of the inside baseball there. I honestly still think that it worked really well. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like so impressed constantly that these writers, even during a writer's strike, were able to put out something as incredible as this season. It was so good. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, I mean, in- incredibly impressive. And I think some of that is due to finally getting to have a plan and execute. And the shorter episode order helped. You know, that's yeah. something like we all understand now in 2022. But when the majority of shows were doing 22 to 24 episodes, uh, and mm-hmm. there are any number of great seasons, but once they could do less episodes or have more time to make the same amount of episodes, um, you know, quality did tick up. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Going into some spoilers for the flashes first, just because that's what we talked about first. They talk about how they were searching the Sunda or Sunda trench off of Bali for um, the like plane or the sunken trading ships or whatever. So Sunda is actually where the Oceanic Six are found. Um, so that works out really well with their story that that's where they found the found the the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put um, the Oceanic Six in that same place so that it would work with their story. Yeah. Very cool. Dan's caretaker is his caretaker because he has memory problems. And he doesn't know why he's crying about the island or like the plane or whatever. And it's because he has a subconscious connection to it, I think. And that's mm-hmm. what, it, what it is. Um, as for the Miles scene, on the radio, it says that they found the plane. You know, it was hard to salvage. And we're just going to say that everyone's dead, which is exactly what yeah. Widmore wanted. Exactly. Um, because those are obviously not the real people. And that's that's exactly what Widmore wanted is that they wanted it so far down that they couldn't actually go and like check any actual like right. DNA or anything. Uh, the other thing is just that we don't actually know where Miles's powers came from. He had them as a kid. Um, he was like present on the island when like the incident was like incoming. So I wonder if maybe those sort of came oh. from the electromagnetism that happened. Like he was a baby when um when that was happening. Yeah. So. Could could have, but Lost as a show has said that certain people are special. Hurley sees ghosts, right. Walt has right. his thing, so Miles could just That's so fair. Ha- have some natural powers. Right. Yeah. The only other thing I had for the Miles flashback was on Lostpedia, it said this episode contains the only instance in which Miles communicates with someone without their body or ashes being nearby, which is like in this flashback with this kid who was murdered. In Some Like It Hoth, Miles claims that he cannot communicate with the dead without something physical being present. I thought I remembered so. some him saying something like that. And I was like, yeah, oh, he's he. Mm, okay. Yeah, they probably yeah. just changed it along the way. Yeah. Maybe that's what the machine is for. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, or, may- or maybe the dead kid just had such a strong spirit. Let's say he had yeah. a strong spirit. Right. In the Charlotte one, um, we ha- learn later that Tunisia is where you go when you turn the donkey wheel to move the island. Mm-hmm. Ben does it. Locke does it. And we learn that that's partially what they used those polar bears for was to to move the island and turn the donkey wheel so they didn't have to send anybody else. And that kind of sucks because they just like sent the polar bears into Tunisia for them to just die. Yeah. In the desert, which kind of sucks. But polar bears are already endangered. Like, come on. Right. Uh, freaking Dharm Initiative and others, you know, just bad, bad people. Um, yeah. And Ben obviously shows up there in um, the shape of things to come in the I guess it's probably yes. the opening scene of that episode. Mm-hmm. And of course, Charlotte's whole thing, of course, is that we learn that she's looking for where she was born and she was old enough to remember being in the Dharma Initiative and probably, you know, the logo and everything. So this moment is huge for her where she sees that collar with the Dharma logo yeah. on it. And it's also clear that she's like older than Miles, especially in season five. She's already like four-ish and he's a straight baby so it doesn't make sense to me that like miles straight up is not 21 i just don't believe it you know what i mean (laughs) yeah like if if that was her actual age 
Anything in Lapidus? Oh, my only Lapidus thing was that he made his way to the island on a plane uh, twice because it happens in 316. Another iconic moment from Frank Lapidus with, we're not going to Guam, are we? We're not going to Guam, are we? So good. Yeah, I think one thing to mention about Lapidus is, like I I said earlier, how his backstory and the fact he was supposed to be a pilot makes him more significant. In actuality, he ends up being the least important of the freighter four and gets the least amount of screen time. Now he's mm-hmm. obviously pivotal pivotal to the end game because he, you know, flies them off the island. Yes. But that's just because he's a pilot. The fact that he was supposed to be on the plane and everything about him, you like that never really comes into play. You don't learn mm-hmm. as much about him. Whereas, you know, Faraday is, you know, the exposition machine for all the time travel stuff faraday comes into play as the constant the whole faraday is widmore's son and the whole thing with his mom and everything miles ends up being in the darm initiative and having the relationship with sawyer and he was um his father yeah and you know his his father is you know marvin candle um and many Mm -hmm. other names um son and charlotte as well is a child of the island so i think it's just interesting that years later i'm like oh lapidus ends up being the least significant of them despite the all-important introduction give him his own show and yet he clearly has such an important um connection to it because like you know when they choose that flight i think ben chooses the flight so maybe ben Specifically made at Lapidus, I, like the pilot Lapidus. But. I thought it was Mrs. Hawking chooses the flight. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. And yeah. either way, either way, somebody probably right. could tell that that Frank was going to do it. Um, and it makes sense because they were trying to recreate that original flight. And so ugh, it's just so good. The The details are so good. I love it. I love yeah. it. Is there anything else uh, about the flashes for you guys? I didn't have anything for the Naomi and Abaddon scene. Nothing about the flashes. No. no, nothing there. All right. So for the island, um, I really love this thing that was pointed out in, um, in on Lostpedia about Dan when they say, uh, Jack says, like, who are you or, like, what's your name or whatever? And he says, I'm Daniel Faraday, but he takes a second. It said, Faraday takes a long pause before recalling his name when asked. This foreshadows some type of memory loss as revealed in Eggtown when he can't remember the playing cards and later in the variable when it's revealed that Daniel hoped to regain his memory by visiting the island. So like thinking back on that and like thinking about how his memory is just coming back to him, being able to recall his own name and everything feels like so triumphant in this moment, like retroactively. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it makes me so happy. But also I just really love Dan. (laughs) Do you? I didn't know this about yep. you. I bought a bobblehead of him off of Facebook Marketplace. Um, Love it. I was like, yep, that one. I need that one. Saeed says that he can't see the freighter yet. Um, so yes, it might be coming from the other side. But also, isn't there some sort of like bubble the islands around, I think, that is revealed this season? And maybe like the freighter isn't yet in the bubble or something. I'm, I can't remember exactly what the details are there. Yeah, there's something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't remember that detail. Dan talking about how they needed to like drop heavy things out of the helicopter. So that's why I got pushed out and stuff. I think that's foreshadowing to the yes. finale when Sawyer jumps. <laughs> of course. Okay. Just do it, Freckles. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Jack finding the gas mask is foreshadowing to when Dan and Charlotte like go to like stop that, I don't know, deadly poison or something from going into the air that Ben was going to do or something like that. Mm-hmm. That happens this season. I don't remember a lot about the details of that one, but I do remember that in that that's the episode that Jack and Juliet kiss. <laughs> yeah, that's that's in the other woman. Yeah, yeah, oh, in the other woman. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think Dan knows how to use a gun. Um, in season five, he's given a rifle and he asks for something for a beginner instead, <laughs> and then he gets a little handgun. Oh my god, it's just so funny because he's like, "Can I have something for a beginner?" And then later that episode, he's like, "I want to detonate a nuclear bomb." Yeah, sure. <laughs> Well, one is si- oh, one is science, one is murder. Different. Yep, exactly. 
different things. Oh, Carl calls uh, Ben Mr. Linus, and it's actually Dr. Linus. That's Dr. Linus to you. Locke says, yes, let's kill Ben in <gasps> yes. front of his daughter. Is that what you want to do? I picked up on this. Horrible foreshadowing. You got it, Casey. You go. Uh Oh, yeah. No, just awful. I literally just wrote, oh, how the turntables. Mm-hmm. Because his daughter is going to be executed in front of him. Yikes. Which is also a great scene. And again, one of my favorite episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. Dan and Miles are like yelling for Charlotte and everything. And I think Dan... I don't know if you can see it in this episode, but maybe like retroactively because we know that Dan is in love with Charlotte, that we can sort of like see already the like inkling of that because he's already like known her for like a month on the freighter. Right. And I just think it's really sweet the way he likes her. Right. Which further explains why he would not fall to uh, Kate's charms. To Kate. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I've already got another prospect. And so uh, Minkowski can't come to the phone right now. And it's because he's having issues with temporal displacement, which happens in the constant, obviously. And it's been happening to him for way longer than it happens to Desmond, which is why he dies in the constant. And it makes me sad because Minkowski is one of my favorite characters that came on the freighter other than like our main four, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also interesting because he was a somewhat notable actor. Um, mm. he, he was definitely past his, um, you know, the peak of his, you know, popularity, but he got a lot of oh, roles. He got a lot of roles in, I don't know, maybe the eighties and nineties Fisher Stevens. And mm-hmm. he also dated Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, wow. Wow. Good for him, I guess. Right? I mean, good, good. I mean, good for, good for him. And you really want to talk about, you know, he got someone out of his league. <laughs> well, literally like eventually Lily dated Dominic Monaghan while they were recording this show, or like they were watching this or. What am I saying? Well, they were like filming this show and I'm just like, you know what? If you can get it, get it. I mean, I mean, <laughs> listen, you. Fisher Stevens gave all of us hope right there. Yeah. Um, right. So, good for it. Yeah. Dan wants to bring Naomi's body and Miles says, why? It's just meat. It's not her. And this reminded me of in season six in the flash sideways when Jack's dad's body is lost. Locke says to him, they didn't lose your father. They just lost his body. Great. To line. try and comfort him. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that moment just sort of reminded me of that moment. That's a great line. Mm-hmm. So good. Locke asks Ben what the monster is and he doesn't know. And I, I'm pretty sure that's true that he doesn't actually know what it is, but he can summon it, which we will see later this season. He does know how to summon it. Mm-hmm. That's what I've got. Do you guys have any more spoilers? I mean, I have one big one. Okay. Which <laughs> I, I will even argue this doesn't count as a spoiler. Who's the man on the boat? Who's the man on the boat? My of God, course. you put my uh, Harold Perrineau's name in the credits the entire season, and I understand. Wait, really? Yes. So and oh so I God. as a yeah I as a you know a viewer who knew the characters and was way into the show, and as someone who just like I just know actors on shows, so. I saw his name in the credits the entire season, as did many. Um, oh, and I know oh, there are there, there are guild reasons why you have to do that. And yeah. sure, okay, but that really was deflating, you know, at, at, as a viewer. Yeah. So you know, Kevin Johnson is is Michael Dawson, and all that was given away so many episodes before before it happened, which was unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, that is too bad. Yeah, that just sucks. But yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I hate when that happens on shows. Yeah, yeah. And like I uh somewhere during this era is when I learned just don't even look at the credits yeah. and try to co- try to cover, you know, that little piece of the screen with your 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 finger. I can't do it. I still look every time. <laughs> oh no, I, I actually have gotten into the thing of like I cover it because I know too many actors you. on shows and because you know i love these shows yeah and it's you know sometimes these people come up as surprises 
Okay, especially mm-hmm. in shows like Lost. I mean, they're they're all about the surprise. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you know, when I would see Fianula Flanagan's name pop up or something, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, Mrs. Hawking's going to show up. It's going to be about this yep. and, and all of it. So I, I've really tried to guard against that. And there are only so many shows where you know I'm so into them that I would care about that spoiler as well as know the actors mm-hmm. and actresses. Um, but this yeah. was one of them. Yeah, been there, man. Every episode of Riverdale, I <laughs> except except I'm way worse than you because uh, every episode of Riverdale, I am like l- glued to the guest stars to see <laughs> mm-hmm. and I've, I always regret it yeah um, gotta not look but yeah well on that note David once again thank you so much for joining us Yay. Yay. pleasure was all mine thank you for having me um, I think that the next time we have you isn't until season six, but it'll be good. Yeah, looking looking forward to to that. And uh, yeah, season season six will definitely be a good one to talk about. Ooh, you know what would be good? Let me write you down for the um for the roundtable about season four. How's that? Uh, Ooh, yeah. yeah, sure, of course. I'd love I'd love to join. Okay. Write me down yeah. for for any of it. And um, you know, again, because I know it's it's your because uh, I know it's your favorite. It is. No, I, I, I'd i love to join. But no, really, I, I so appreciate you, you having me. And uh, I hope the listeners enjoyed. Yeah. Okay, perfect. You can follow all of us. All of our information is going to be in the description, including all of the stuff on The Aficionados. Like I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. Um, and we'd really appreciate your help there if you can. If not, check out our small businesses or just recommend us to a friend. That'd be really great. And yeah, looking forward to next episode. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. See you in another life, brother. I saw a cow.